Christopher. Hi, Jen. Hi, Melinda. Hi, Phil. This is episode 13. Hey, Ron. The next time you're freaked at me for calling you out on the Quidditch pitch. Just remember that. Welcome back to Parfic Weekly, everyone. I'm Ryan, and I'm here with Melinda, Phil, Jen, and Lady Chi, who are going to say hi to you now in alphabetical order. Hi! throwing a pop quiz in the beginning of Didn't the podcast. Have a <laughs> you're all kind of in the middle, except, well, actually, no, you're Phil's kind I of I was patiently middle. waiting my turn. Jenny is not here, unfortunately. She would have known what to do. Yeah, but then yeah, I exactly. would have been like, is she a J or a G? Or, oh, yeah, she's Z. Oh, I'm what? As you can tell, everybody, last week's episode was our most popular because of the group of people that we had. So we have everybody back this week, and we obviously don't know how to spell, you know, our name. <laughs> I didn't say there was going to be a spelling test. <laughs> exactly. Don't. Hey, just because we're writers and beta readers and administrators <laughs> of very popular websites doesn't mean that we have the ability to spell. Please don't make assumptions like that. Can I make it a take-home test? <laughs> I you never learned to, to read. Well, and she, would we go with L or C? I mean, because then I would be before. It's not her middle name. You go with L. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. I always, I always say, hello, I'm Lady Chi, and then everybody just calls me Chi. We know you're a lady. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but it's like, I don't know. I guess that you would have to go with Chi because lady, lady's a title, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So are we going to do it in alphabetical order? Or are we through making complete asses out of ourselves? I still want <laughs> you to do it. You need to say hi in alphabetical order or we can't go on with the podcast. Okay. Are you, are you ready? We're ready. Here we start. Okay. Hey, I'm Lady Chi. J comes before L. <laughs> Just go in order of the Skype list. We're all just <laughs> I was waiting for someone to say that. Are you really? No. <laughs> oh my god. Can, can I just do it for everybody? <laughs> go ahead, Phil. Chi says hi, Jen says hi, Melinda says hi, and I say hi. And Ryan says hi. 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 Gracious. We are moving on with our final chapters uh, this evening. We're going to talk about chapters 41, 42, 43 in the epilogue of After the End. We have in upcoming episodes uh, an interview with uh, Genia that Phil and I uh, conducted last week because Jen was putting up drywall. And we have um, a conversation coming up with Arabella, Genia, and some of their betas. So we're going to try and release that in one episode. And we also want to talk about the outtakes at some point. And then we're moving on to the seventh Horcrux, at which point Melinda will have to leave the room because we found that we can't talk about a fic with the author in the room, or we just kind of ask them questions about life and what their favorite color is. And we don't get anywhere. <laughs> 
That's one way to be sure you get good reviews, though. Oh, it absolutely is. We love it. This was great. Be at, yeah, be present so that I don't make any, make any comments. You know that. You know? Okay. Absolutely. Oh, I, need, I guess I need to plug my writing podcast, don't I? If, either that. Yeah. If you want to sing it, go ahead. Otherwise, you can just say it. You want, no, don't ask me to sing because you know me and I'll take you up on that offer and then your ears will be hurting for the rest of the week. And I don't want to be responsible for that. Fair point. Okay. Yeah, do you know how many emails and IMs I got about our blue moon sequence? <laughs> you real. <laughs> oh, my lord. I didn't get anything. Okay. I feel so left out of life. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Maybe they emailed in alphabetical order. <laughs> the blooper reel on this is going to be four hours long. I already can tell. Okay. Oh God. Okay. Here is here is Lady Chi plugging the writing podcast. Are we ready? Complete silence from the crowd, please. Just okay. ask us to spell something, and we'll be silent. <laughs> <laughs> Just kadekophobia. Get back to me on that. Okay. Rhode Island is neither a road nor an island. Discuss. Go ahead. <laughs> not the Bible. At some point in the future, we will be releasing a writing podcast. If you have questions on the actual process of writing, the beta reading process, um, how, when and where and how to publish your fancy fit, or um, you just have a general question about writing, um, send an email to ladychi at potterfickweekly.com. We are going to focus on the beginning of writing a story, so if you have any questions about how Aggie Bell and I start stories, um, I think Melinda might be joining us. I sent her a PM about that. Everybody cross your fingers. Yay! Melinda, you actually uh, said yeah. yes, right? Yeah, I did. I think it sounds like a great idea. She sent you an email about that this morning. Check your email box. Okay. And just on the podcast, too, like, usually what we do during the episodes is we talk about chapters, we talk about themes that we like, we, we review the completed fan fiction. What you're going to do is more behind the scenes. You're going to do, right. you know, here's the here's the idea I have, why is this a good idea, why is this a bad idea, you know, why is this like a crutch that some writers use? So you're going to really get into how people write fan fiction. So if someone has a story idea they want to throw around, you guys can kind of help them with it and you can right. actually see a fanfic put together. Okay. Right. Exactly. We're going to start at the beginning and work our way through. Sounds very exciting. Way. It'll be interesting at the very least. It'll be way fun. We need some volunteers, people. <laughs> I told you I would beta read anything you wrote. <laughs> if you want, if you want Jen, you don't to know se- what you're asking for. <laughs> <laughs> if you want Jen to write fan fiction, email Ryan at parfictweekly.com, and if we get enough, I'll make her do it. <laughs> <laughs> How exactly are you going to do that? Go out, drive out to Texas with a taser, and be like, right. I'm responsible for Jen's room and board for a week this summer. We'll figure it out. All right. <laughs> That'd be awesome. All right. So moving on. Actually, Jen, do you want to start us off tonight since you have the crib sheet? <laughs> sure. This is Chapter 41, The Ring, and it starts off with Jenny making her way to the notch, and she's worrying about gaining Ron's permission because she wants to go to Culprat and talk to Draco and see if she can find out what, you know, what's going on. Can I just say that um, Arabella and Zenya channeled me at a Kansas State University football game here when they were writing Ron's dialogue? I think that they they were there, because I'm pretty sure 
I've shouted some of this stuff. I was laughing so incredibly hard. I can't read this chapter in public, just so you guys know. I love the I love the fake out. It's the beginning of the chapter. Ginny's walking and she hears shouting and like a chill goes up her spine and she has a, she's having like flashbacks to Nam and she gets upstairs and Ron's just it's quitting. Quit I just love that. Yeah. You think, you know, like something's happened and the Death Eaters have all escaped and Voldemort was hiding in a bush or something. It's like Quidditch. <laughs> it, well, you know, Quidditch with Ron is life or death. I think. Uh. Yeah, but I do like I do like how when uh, Ginny brought up that she wanted to talk to him about Draco, he just went, "Okay, yeah, whatever," and this, and just left the house right away. He, he that that was far more important to him than even the Quidditch and the yeah, Quidditch, he even is left the Quidditch kind of his point. life. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't believe uh, it. And neither could I. I, mean, I was going, "What?" I was like, "Holy freaking!" He, he did it without question. That's gonna be he actually ends up there. For, this is very important stuff. Like this is when like the, like I think the authors sometimes leave like little things left untouched. So if they ever go that route, you know it's serious. For for Ron to be so upset over Quidditch and then to instantly say, "Okay, Quidditch's time is over," while the game is still going on and it's close. And it's a big game too. It's a big it's game. Like it's the, like the, the, finals, it's the finals, yeah, quarterfinals or something like that. Is it? He really yeah, doesn't like Draco. <laughs> I just really love the interaction between Ron and Harry. Like Ron is like wailing, <laughs> and Harry's like, "Shut up! Shut up. <laughs> Shut I didn't up. hear what's going on. Shut up!" <laughs> That's always my brother, Katie. Be quiet. <laughs> I can't tell. <laughs> What they're calling? You mean, he has, you mean your brother does? Calling. He's an idiot. Your brother doesn't call you a lady, Chi? No, my brother calls me other assorted nasty names, but not <laughs> <you> no. <know. laughs> Actually, we we ha- our nicknames for each other are doofus and dork. I was so. just thinking that when you said that, I was picturing Harry just wearing a shirt that says "I'm with stupid" around the house with Ron because it's like Ron's like breaking like you know like the like the wall and the divider and knocking things over every time like the cannons score. I don't know. <laughs> the house just collapses in on itself. When... He's still just pushing it up, going, "I can't believe this!" <laughs> I love him. I like the line uh, you said. When... I'm with- I'm with stupid. I had this image of Ron as that more of his howdy duty with the <laughs> 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 Amy fan art. <laughs> I'll call Marta. No, I was just gonna say I, I did. I did. Didn't want to skip over the line where uh, Harry's told Ginny that she should definitely knock because uh, she doesn't want to walk in and see what uh, he saw the previous night, which I thought was great. Oh. I can't believe he said that. Like. I don't. Every time Harry says something, even Harry's come a like, long way. Normal. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what? Whoa! What? What happened? I just want to tell a story of what happened to me when I was listening to this chapter. I'm I'm driving into work in the morning, and we just recorded the last episode, so I'm getting a jump on these chapters. And I'm driving by the gas station where I once heard the phrase, "You were the source of my patronum." <laughs> and that was you when- are the love of my life. Sorry. Okay. I knew we'd have singing in this one, and I'm you know I'm driving down the street, and I'm like pulling up near the gas station. I'm thinking, ha ha ha! I almost crashed into this gas station last week because of a <laughs> you know, Harry Potter fan fiction. And that's right around the time that Ron and Jimmy are like right next to each other, and they're about to punch each other out. And I'm gripping <laughs> the steering wheel so hard, like I started swerving. <laughs> oh my god! The owner of like it's almost like a sitcom. The owner of the gas station must see me coming and like duck behind the counter. But <laughs> <laughs> so Arabella and Jenny are like killing my you know car insurance premiums. But um, 
I, I really, it's totally worth it. Oh, it's absolutely worth it. Like that, that's a story you can tell forever, please. Come on, I'd rather do it. <laughs> but I blew up the Sam gas station twice. But, you know, it just I, I just love the way that they, they completely, and, I, and we've been talking about this the whole time, you know, it's like chapter 10, you know, everyone wants to kill each other. Chapter 11, everyone's fine. And then, you know, they all say how much they love each other. And you're like, oh, isn't it great that they get through these times together? Then chapter 13, they try and kill each other again. <laughs> and it's like the same thing. It's like the... And I love the fact that this is from Harry's perspective, you know, at this point, and I'm jumping around a little bit, but this is, you know, they go outside and she says, I need to see Draco and he refuses, you know, you're a child, I'm not letting you in there, you know, you don't understand, you know, he won't have anything to do with it. And he counterattacks, I want to know what you know about Malfoy and she won't give it up. And he can't understand her and she can't understand him and they're about to come to blows and they both have that Weasley anger. And they come back in the house, and they're just—they're going at each other, and they've never gone at each other this far. And I love Harry's perspective because Harry's thought on the whole thing is, "I don't get families. They—they—they—they they, they, they love each other, but they're about to punch each other out. But tomorrow they're going to love each other again. How does that work? <laughs> it's like he just doesn't—he uh-huh. doesn't get it. But if you think about it, that's how he's been with Ron and Hermione all these years. I just—I thought it was really right. fascinating to, to have to have Harry look up saying, "You know, this is new. What's up with these guys?" Like. Well, actually, I kind of disagree uh, that that's how Harry's been with Ron and Hermione. With 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 Harry and, and Ron and Hermione, there's been the one great big fight, hmm. and then they've kind of made up from that, and then never really fought again. Yeah, and with test. with the Weasleys, yeah, the test. And with the Weasleys, it's like every other day they're they're throwing stuff at each other and ready to kill each other, but then they make up. So I think that was kind of what he didn't he didn't understand was this. You know, it's like okay, when when I have a fight. It has the potential to end a relationship, you uh-huh. know. It and and, uh, and and some of them have, and, and thank God some of them haven't. But uh, as far as this, you know, just coming almost to blows with somebody, and then five minutes later going, yeah, okay, it's all right. And that's what confuses him. This this concept of of getting into these uh, screaming matches that only seem to last for ten minutes. Just the whole family concept, even him. It's that, but he's fascinated by it too. Do, do you know what I mean? He's. He 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 wants to sit back and observe it, but he he can't quite get how they you know that the, when they can be ready to kill each other, and then they're like, oh, you want something to eat? You know, two seconds later, it's 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 neat to see from his perspective. It's like I I love the part where you know Harry's sitting there and he's like, okay, do, do I go you know knock Ron off of Ginny because that will get Ron mad. But if I go pull you know Ginny off of Ron, she'll never kiss me again. So it's like yeah. Harry's looking at this like hedging his bets. Like mm, I like her a little bit more this week. So maybe and he's like like this is like a no win situation for him. And I, I just love how it keeps going over and over again. It's like Harry defeated you know the ultimate evil dark lord. It's like a Nintendo game. He defeated Voldemort. But if Ron and Ginny are in a fight, what do I do? I, I, there's no easy way <laughs> out. Of take it. Nope. Actually, I like the way, you know, in Half-Blood Prince, we had a similar scene, but I kind of like how he did just jump right in the middle of the two of them in that one, <laughs> rather than here, where he just kind of sat back and watched. Yeah, I like how um, Ginny actually puts uh, Harry on the spot at one point, yeah. and she's not trying to be yeah. mean about it. She's not trying to, like, drag him into it, but she just says, well, honestly, what do you think I should do? And because, and, and it's not it's not like, you know, some people do that to drag somebody else in to get them on their side. She Ginny honestly wanted to know what Harry's opinion was on it. She really you know, values his opinion. And when she, when she asked him, he, you know, gave it some real earnest consideration and then, uh, you know, said that, that he thought that, uh, if it would make her feel better to speak to Malfoy first, that would be fine. But he did ultimately think that, that he, she should probably tell Ron 
what she knew. And she thought about it and said, yeah, okay, if, if that's if that's what you think. And that's what, what was interesting is that she really took his words to heart very much so because obviously Ron is, is quite tainted with uh, a lot of things when it comes to Malfoy. Uh, and and Harry, she, she knows that Harry can be a lot, a lot more objective about it. And, uh, and so I like that. I like that she, she asked for his honest opinion and he gave it and she listened to it, which, you know, I, I can't remember in my life having that happen more than like three times when somebody asked me what I thought and then I told them and then they went, that sounds like a good idea. I think I will do that. Yeah, it's like my mother asked me what shoes she should wear to work and I say the ones in your left hand. She's like, oh, you hate the ones in my right hand. It's like like the no-win situation. It's a no-win. And I like the fact that Ginny didn't like threaten Harry to, you know, side against Ron because because picture it, you know, you're in a fight with someone and you're furious, you're livid at this person, you want to go and, you know, slash their tires, and your boyfriend's in the room, and you, you could easily, you know, say to, you know, to your boyfriend, you know, with the connotation, if you ever want to see me naked again, you're going to do exactly what I say right now, <laughs> and she does, and she says, what do you think? She honestly wants to know, and as livid as she is at Ron, when Harry sides, like you said, Phil, you know, primarily with Ron, she sits down, and she, for a moment, I think she tries and justifies to herself how this isn't really giving in. But she's like, you know what? Maybe you're right. I, I, I didn't know, you know, it was illegal not to tell you. I, I didn't know that. So maybe that's, you know, a reason I can kind of compromise, you know, but it's something so important to her that she can't just say, okay, I give up. She needs a reason to do it. And Harry, I think kind of put, I think it's one of those things when, when Harry's against her, you know, she has no more legs to stand on. You know, if Harry sided with her, you know, she could find strength in that. But even if Harry's against her, you know, I think she realizes she's beat on this one. But what does everyone think of just the, the argument itself, Ron's perspective and, and Ginny's perspective about, you know, the information, you know? I liked when, well, when she did turn to Harry, Ron's kind of a typical brotherly kind of childish, oh, sure, you'll listen to Harry reaction that, that, yeah. that cracked me up. Yeah. And, and Ron, Ron's been trying. I mean, you think about this about this fic. He's been trying for a very long time to to get the information out of Ginny, and so it's very. I mean, it's really really important to him that that this happens. And so I, I mean, it's it's. I almost wonder at a certain point how much of it is him just directly wanting to get back at Malfoy, and how much of it is just the fact that he's been trying for so long. He just he's just still trying and he he's desperate to find out this information because obviously he wants to put Malfoy away for as long as possible but even he ultimately uh and this I'm jumping ahead a little bit but even he ultimately has to see the merit in letting Ginny talk to him to Malfoy find out what whatever she can and hopefully maybe even strike a deal I think that Jenny turning to Harry and saying, honestly, what do you think? I think that is like one of the biggest markers of how far their relationship has gone. That she looks at Harry and she says, like, I've, you know, when I'm like serious with a guy and I want like his opinion on something, obviously it's going to mean a lot to me. It's going to carry a lot of weight. And I think the fact that she kind of, you know, she asks him and then she acquiesces to his request. Oh, pirate reference. Um, that <laughs> I think that that kind of just shows, you know, how how far they've come. That you know, Harry gives his honest opinion. And yeah, the Jenny fact goes, that Harry was honest. I mean, he knew she yeah. wasn't going to like the answer, but he but he gave it anyway. That you know, was, well, yeah. was good for him. Too. I, I still kind of see it as when a decision has to be made, everybody still kind of looks at Harry. And I was actually shocked that Ron and Hermione didn't 
sooner. Like, and I, and I think that goes back to them trying to not put any pressure whatsoever on him because it's after the war and blah, blah, blah. But I think when Harry picks a side about something, people go with it because he tends to do the right thing. And his judgments are usually better than most, I think. And I, I just really well, like Harry it. just doesn't take anything lightly. You know, he doesn't. Right, right. No, right. no decision is a small decision for Harry. And he doesn't make knee-jerk reactions. Right. Well, everyone mm-hmm. knows that. Yeah. You know, well, this Harry doesn't make knee-jerk reactions. Yeah, that's true. Right, right. Well, you know. That was but unfortunate, I, yeah. <laughs> I just liked the ro- the roller coaster of this, this. It's not even that huge of a scene. I mean, that long of a scene. And, you know, it starts off with Jenny being apprehensive and then you know it's it's like really loud and yelling and everybody's quidditch eh, and then suddenly they're walking and then they're fighting and it's really bad and Jenny's pissed off and she goes opens the door and Hermione's there and Hermione's like oh Jenny I love you thank you I you know I never got a chance to thank you and like the whole mood just keeps shifting all throughout this the tone and I love it because it doesn't it never feels to me like it was like, oh, we feel this way. Oh, we feel this way. Oh, we feel this way. Like it just flowed all together and fit. And it, yet it was, it's, it's got so many ups and downs. I'm sorry. I'm just picturing like in the hands of a lesser writer, you know, Ginny and Ron, like having the same screaming match. And like all of a sudden one of them is screaming, you are invading my personal space. Like I'm just. Trying- <laughs> <laughs> the, the one thing I, I will say about after the end and, you know, because I I am acquainted with some people that gasp aren't great big fans of this um, story. Um, I think that um, you know you kind of you either you're of two minds about this. You either think that the way that they do it is very natural and very true to life, or you think that it's totally the opposite. That it's you know melodramatic and it's up and down and it's this way and it's that way and you know and I. I uh, I don't know. I, I guess I've met people that kind of, that both that like it, and I've met people that don't like it, and it's just a matter of t- to taste, I guess. And I think it's also a matter of how those people get along with the people in their lives. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. if, this, if this is how you get along with people, or this is you know something that you've seen in your own life, then yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna make sense to you. But if it's something that's a foreign way of handling things, right. Then to you, it's going to seem very strange. So uh, once again, it's, it's I think it's in the eye of the beholder. This is this feels natural to me because my extended family is basically like second generation Weasleys. You know, like this is how we deal with each other. We yell, we scream, and then like three minutes later, everybody's fine. Well, let's even just stop for a second because we're talking about like the quality of the writing. This is what I think is you know really shows layered writing. You can read a scene like this, and we can all read the same scene. And everyone can walk out agreeing with a different character and have a factual basis for it. I mean, for example, say I want to side with Ginny on this. I would say, okay, Ginny's a healer. So Ginny has a sense about things and has a sense about people that other people just need to learn to trust. Ginny has demonstrated in the past that she is trustworthy. So she's earned, you know, the right to, to, to be heard and to be given some leeway when, when things come up. If you look at Ron, you know, 
Ron, you know, has no training in law. The fact that he's in that position is because he was charged with a crime, went to court for a day to learn what the legal system is like, got hired on as an intern, and now he's apparently the attorney general. And he's telling Ginny that she may not talk to Draco Malfoy. His motivation is, I hate Draco Malfoy. Draco Malfoy must die. Her motivation is, I want to try and put an end to, you know, this quasi-cold war that we're in with the Dementors and with everybody. And, you know, he refuses to listen to any reason. If I want to listen to Ron, you know, I would look back at all of the failures that Ginny's made up into this point, the fact that, you know, Remus almost died as a result of her, the fact that she could have been abducted at Malfoy Manor, and, you know, she didn't take any proper precautions. You can look back at the fact that she's an adult. No, wait, she's a child. No, wait, she's an adult. And, (laughs) you know, you could find something in each of their... Okay, case in point, how the scene ends. You know, she knows something that could save lives. It's, you know, it's it's an interest of, you know, state security or, you know, community security. Right, and she needs right. to give it up. As soon as she finds that out and Harry sides, you know, against her position, she gives in. So maybe Ron well, had the stronger argument all the time. No, I think she does give in. I think she does give in and I think no, she rationalizes it. I think that she was looking for an excuse to give in. I think... Oh, yeah. She hates Draco, too. I mean, there's no qualms about this. She just wants to have a clean conscience. And I think that she was just almost in appreciation to Harry giving his opinion that was just side away from her. I didn't get that. I thought that if Harry had said, Ginny, you're right, stick to your guns, I'll stand behind you, Ron would have had to take her to court. I think that because she knew that Harry didn't believe in her position she was going to change her mind but she just built herself into this fort where you know she completely holds herself off from ron and she's digging her heels in she can't just say oh, okay so what she did was she thought about it she's like oh well you know if, if it's a national well, she needed- ordinarily i wouldn't do this but if it's a national security secret i gotta tell well you. she needed to be justified right. and if she could use harry as her justification and i think she ends up doing it that way it, because think, in the yeah, end, just it's going deflates. to help Harry. Yeah. yeah. No, I think her, her private reasoning between her and herself was, Harry's doesn't believe in me. I need to change. I'm wrong. I think her oh, public... I no, I think her public... You know, um, her. You know, if she were to give a statement on, it's kind of like when a politician resigns and says it's for health reasons, and it's really because they're sleeping with their secretary. You know, there's what you tell the world, and there's what you what the real reason is. The real reason she gave him was because Harry didn't believe in her. The public reason she gave was, oh, it's a national security secret. I have to tell you. I think that if Harry had said fight, I think she would have kept fighting. I think Harry was the real reason, but she wasn't about to say that to a room full of people. Okay, Harry, you're right. I give up. So she was going to say, well, you know what? I still think I'm right, but you know what? It's a national security secret. I gave in just this one time. And I think she did that well, to try and save some self I didn't get that. Yeah, that I didn't get, I didn't get that either. I think you're giving uh, Jenny for being a little bit more manipulative than she actually is. Maybe. Right. Yeah. I didn't get that. Yeah, because you're because I looked at, at it. Lawyer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, lo- I looked at it more. I looked at it more as like a true compromise in her brain, at least, where she thought, okay, if Ron is willing to let me talk to Malfoy, I'm going to give Malfoy a chance to work with me on this, mm-hmm. and I'm going to give him an opportunity. Uh, to to make make this all work out for everybody involved. If he chooses not to accept that, then at that point I can have my conscience clear because I feel like I've done everything I can to give Malfoy the chance. And and if he chooses not to take it, then okay, I I am in a in a situation where 
there's a greater good at stake than the oath that I took. And at that point, I, I will have to, to talk about it. But I don't think she necessarily thought, oh, well, it's for Harry. That's why I'm going to do it. I think she, it was, it was in her mind, it was a, it was a decent compromise, giving Malfoy a shot. And yeah. then if, if that didn't pan out, then okay, well, I, I did my best. I did everything I could to make this work out, you know, uh, without breaking this oath. Um, but I just, I'm going to have to at this point. And especially because Ron does point out to her, and it's legitimate, that the, the contract that she signed is really null and void because she didn't accept money for it. So well, here's the thing. She, Ron says that the contract was null and void. Ron also says you're helping Draco. Ron also says that this could save lives. Ron also says this could help her. I mean, Ron lays out his case. These are the reasons why you should do it. He, she still won't do it. I think part of the reason she won't do it is because Ron's pissed her off and she's not going to give him anything. And the other half of the reason is she honestly believes that she's keeping an oath. Here's the wording right here. Ginny paled slightly. You think I should do that then? This is Harry. I think, yeah, I think he probably should. Ginny went quiet. She sat back and looked rather helplessly down at her hands. Her sudden silence surprised Harry, who had anticipated that she would turn her fury on him next. But instead, she looked at the backs, backs of her fingers, then turned her hands over and glazed meditatively at her palms. I suppose, she began, I suppose if it's illegal to hold back in life-threatening situations, then I should say something. I didn't realize. But Harry, if you really think I should... Ron made a noise of annoyance. Oh, she'll listen to him, he muttered. That's nice. Shh, said Hermione. Ginny glanced up at Ron, but there was no anger left in her face. I just don't want to break my word, she said simply. It makes me feel terrible. She looked at Harry. I'm not trying to be stubborn or to make things harder on you or Charlie or Dad. I'm just trying to sort this out, she said. You know how much I want to help you. I really just, and we can, you know, agree to disagree on this. I really saw that Harry says, I think you should do it. I think that you should help. And the first thing she says was, well, I guess if it's a, in a life-threatening situation, I will. But that wasn't the reason Harry said. Harry didn't say, I think you should do this. You know, it could save lives. He said, I think you should do this. And didn't give his reason as to why. So I took the, the first thing she said was, you know, the, the life-threatening situation. That was kind of, okay, here's the justification. I'm, gonna do, I'm not going to say I'm doing this because Harry's telling me to. I'm going to do it because of this. And I just saw it that way. And you know what? When you're in a huge fight with someone and someone proves that you're wrong, it takes a really big person to say, you know what? You're right. I, I, I give up. I think a lot of people will try and you know weasel their way out of it. And I'm not saying she's doing that in this case, but she's a very proud person. And I don't think she's going to say, you're right, Ron. I'm sorry, because she's pissed at him. And I guess that's my only take here. I, that's Yeah, but it's coming from the perspective, though, of what we just talked about, where she really, truly values Harry's opinion yeah. on it. She knows that he's being very earnest uh, in his consideration of it. And in, and and I uh, personally, I'm, and I think you're right. We, we may have to agree to disagree. I didn't necessarily see it as her saying, "Well, I'll just do whatever Harry says because I love him so much." I think she values his opinion so much because she knows where it's coming from. That it really, when she when he said that, I I think you should probably tell Ron what you know. Well, no, maybe she we're really just, at that point. I just want to see if maybe we disagree on this, and maybe I'm just phrasing it poorly. If she if <laughs> if Harry had said, "Ginny, I think you're right. I think you need to do what you have to do. I'll support you in anything." Don't do it if it doesn't feel right. Do you think she would have given up the secret? I think, I think she, she would have done the right thing. You know, I, that, well, that, that's hard to say. I think she, I think she would have once again really been uh, really earnestly thought about it, and she would have really taken Harry's opinion to heart. And if if Harry believed that she was doing the right thing and not talking, and she she thought that he really did believe that, then she might have have not come to the same conclusion. I'm not sure. So it doesn't necessarily mean that she's doing it for Harry. 
I think that she's really valuing Harry's opinion. Yeah, I think she trusts him, and I think she thinks, you know what, I don't agree with this, but if Harry thinks it, I'm going to trust him. And that, number one, I just want to say shows great growth from before when Harry would say, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do this, it's not not safe, and she would get all flustered. This is the same thing, and she's, you know, backing down. I think that she trusts him in this case because maybe she doesn't know what to do, but I still think she's a proud person, and she's going to put a very good public face on it, and she's going to say, okay, it's a life-threatening situation, I give in. Because I don't see Jenny as political where I'm going to say this thing, but I'm going to think something else. Like, I don't see her as that. Yeah. I think her her position as a healer, I think we we, uh, we don't exactly think about, you know, what, what it means to be a healer and what it is that she does. And part of her job is to keep secrets, to keep people's personal secrets. And I think when I first read this, I was angry at her because I thought, my God, this is all just about her pride. And and I thought, how selfish, because this is something that could honestly save all these people. And I think it's oh, not. It's not. Well, I did. I thought that. And, and so I, then I thought, well, you know, maybe it's because her contracts, her word in her line of work is more important than anything else. And I think that she as a healer has a different perspective because of that than everyone else will notice. Like a doctor's Hippocratic oath. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And and so I, then I started thinking, well, maybe it's definitely, it's not just a personal thing. It's it's part of what she does. It's part of who she is. And, and, and she can't break that oath because, well, she's the one and only. You know, maybe it's in her makeup that she would feel even worse than a normal person to break someone's secret. Um, And then I think when Harry told her um, that she should tell, I think that he was just saying, I know that this is going to make you feel real bad, but this is the right thing to do. And I think that she recognized that then it wasn't her going, well, you know, fine, here's the the political stuff. And, you know, it was just her realizing I'll just close off by saying this. I'll just sum it up in one sentence. You're doing a very bad job doing it. I think that she's a Weasley, and I think Weasleys are proud, and I think Weasleys don't like to say they're sorry, and they get very flustered, and they get very emotional, and they have a hard time backing off. And I think a lot of the stuff that you just said is right. I think she's a healer, and in her mind, this is the most important thing. I'm going to keep my word. My word really means a lot to me. And she promised Draco she wouldn't say anything. And regardless of anything, she doesn't want to break her word. And I think that she was prepared to go up against the world. She was prepared to have Ron put her on the stand. Because even if it's Draco Malfoy, it doesn't matter. Her word means something. But I think Harry is so different from everybody else that if Harry says, you know what, I think you need to do this, she's going to trust Harry because they've grown so much since he became a dragon rider and, and, you know, in the past few months they've grown to the point where if he says I really think you should do this she, if she's conflicted, she's going to put all of her faith into him that's like we were talking about in previous chapters, she completely trusts him, except about underwear but she completely <laughs> trusts him and she's is that gonna, one sentence? That was one sentence. And okay, I, oh, I, get get me on Starbucks. I can do more. But I think that, <laughs> and you know what? I, I think that if you have a re- like, even with Ron, if you have Ron, you get him all flustered, and he's really you know fighting against you. If you convince him he's wrong, Ron's not going to say, you know what? That was a good point. I give up. You know, if there's a, like, I'm not saying she's being political, but you know what? I think she said life threatening situation as. You know the official response on why she's changing her mind, and I think if anyone asks, I'm giving in because it's a life-threatening situation. I truly believe that if Harry said, 
even if this is Draco, you need to do what you need to do. I'll stand behind you. I think she would have gone and Ron would have had to put her on the stand. I don't think she would have given up because this is too important to her. But I'll leave it there and people can make up their own minds. Well, um, just I, I want to make well, – I know like we've talked this issue to death. but um, We can never talk. I, I do – I do want to, you know, make an analogy here because it's like a question I get asked a lot about confession. If you confess to a murder to a priest, he can't tell anybody, you know? And um, so I get asked a lot, you know, because they can't tell anybody your sins during confession. There's a big confidentiality thing. So I get asked a lot of times, well, what if you commit a murder? Or what if you steal something really valuable? Then doesn't the priest have a moral obligation to tell somebody else? And, you know, the answer is no in, in this case because the vow supersedes everything. So I think that, you know, I can see Jenny's predicament here. It would be like, you know, I mean, it, it, it's, a, it, it's a deep moral quandary. So, But in the same way, the priest has the moral obligation to try and convince the person that's committed right. the crime to go forward themselves. And that is kind of right. what she's going to try now exactly. to do with Draco. Exactly. Exactly. And, exactly. and I have a question, too. What if someone goes to a priest and says, I'm killing someone tomorrow at 3.30 in the park? You can't confess to a sin that you're about to commit. Well, if, if someone did, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm trying then, to say... Then it's not a confession. Do because, you see what I'm saying? No, I guess... Because yeah, okay. Because I guess what I'm saying... You yeah. that you've already committed. Okay. You can't confess to sins that are... I confess I to have... I confess to have planned the murder that will take place tomorrow at 3.30. I don't know. I'm, then they would try and convince you to come forward. But would they but, be able to tell the cops, hey, there's going to be a murder in the park tomorrow at 3.30? Nope. Nope. Really? Okay. Because really. that's the thing here. Because now this is like a forward-looking <laughs> thing. This isn't the Draco is the one who did the thing. This is right. the Draco's got the thing in his box that can solve all. This is future-looking. So, and I just do want to say because I'm gonna forget to say it. Jem is reading through this on Ron's side. I actually read through the whole scene on Ginny's side. So I think that just says a really great thought about you know just the writing that two people yeah. can just mm-hmm. go through it and completely you know reenact the argument. Jen and I are gonna be like screaming at each other at the summit this summer. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. I think Ram is right. Take it back. To be fair to Ryan, there is a line a little bit later on in the chapter where uh, Ginny and Harry are talking after uh, they've left. And she says to him, I probably wouldn't agree to tell Ron anything if I didn't think that it could help you. And I know that's wrong. So she she does admit a little bit later on that, that there are some personal motivations there for for Harry's sake. So, yeah. you know, it, it, yeah. it is true. There is a little bit of her that's that's saying, you know what, I'm I'm. I'm doing this for you, uh, you know. As much as as much as I want to keep this oath, and as as important as it is to me, uh, you know, if it does come down to your well-being versus my oath, I'm probably going to go with your well-being. This is why priests don't get married. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to kill your wife tomorrow at three thirty in the parking lot. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Sorry, that was a. I thought it was a good analogy, though. So. That was, no, that was actually a very good analogy. I just want to say the reason I was so strong in my opinion is driving in the car and listening to the scene. You can tell Janine's about to back down. I'm like, if that were me, I'd need to have an excuse to give right there, you know, just so I wouldn't feel embarrassed. And she's like, yeah, it's a life-threatening situation. I really need to tell someone. I'm like, yes, that's what I would have done. So what you're doing is is superimposing your own yes. mental... Okay. Yes. So if I ever run for office and I resign due to health reasons, worry. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'll be giving. I'll be sending Danielle a card. Exactly. <laughs> I have a gambling problem. I don't know. Whatever. Right. Okay. So I love how they close out the scene with Harry, Ron, and Hermione, where the Quidditch match has ended. 
And oh, that's yes. a good thing. <laughs> and I was having fits because I was just as upset as Ron was that they were drawing this out because um, you fell for that. Well, no, I knew, I knew <laughs> what it, I knew what the answer was, but I didn't. Know. Yeah. You to know? me, it was like uh, on Friends when Joey comes back and says he didn't get the part, and they all go, "You got the part, didn't you?" Yeah, I, yeah. I guess I'm the only one that watches Friends. Did he really get the part? I didn't watch that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. He, he would always come. That was his. That was the running gag on the show. He'd come back and go, "Yeah, the audition went bad. I didn't get the part." And they'd all go, "Really?" And he'd go, "Yeah, I got the part." And then everybody, yeah, would yeah, laugh yeah. And yeah. <laughs> I watched I the episode. Kind of, <laughs> I kind of saw. I kind of saw that one coming. I want to be. I'm going to make a snide comment here, but you know. I was like 11 when Friends was really popular Aww. when it came out. Oh, <laughs> man. Why, come why on. did you have to do that? <laughs> We're all doing a thing in the forum. I, uh, I went to New York this past weekend and I visited the Ground Zero and I put a lot of video up of it um, on the forum. And people have been posting, you know, here's where I was on 9 11, here's where I was on 9 11. And she's like, I was five. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Feels like I was teaching a class. Jen's like, I was in college. She's like, I was driving my bike down the street. <laughs> I was in Mr. Keezer's eighth grade science class. Yeah. God. Do a geography lab on rocks. That so we didn't have old. To I know. So how about when, um, uh, at the, at the <laughs> no, end of the no, scene. No, no, no. I have to just say something here. I just thought of something. Why oh, is the attorney general and he gets fooled by that? He's not the attorney general. He's a clerk, for God's sake. No, but he's in charge. Sirius has been suspended. I know. He's the acting attorney general. (laughs) (laughs) We don't even have attorney generals in Britain. Seriously, though. It's where emotion takes over. No, he's Well, we forgot the line where Jenny says something to Hermione like, you better not marry him. He's, like, freaked out, and he, like, looks at Hermione. He's looking at him so accusingly. He's like, I didn't say anything. And I'm like, nobody even acknowledges that they had that conversation. <laughs> I know. I know. It's like, that was yeah. hard to figure yeah. out. <laughs> they just skip right by it. Like, oh, well, I'm sure they're talking about yeah. something. I don't know. And I'm yeah, completely whatever. the opposite. I'll walk into a room and be like, Hermione, are you getting married? No. Why do you ask? I'm like, no, no reason. I'll keep hounding her the rest of the day. Are, are you getting married? Exactly. No. Are you sure? Yeah. I you actually, sure? I actually had um, a friend of mine at work. I went into her office one day, and I'm like, do you want coffee? And she's like, no, no, I'm all set. I'm like, you sure? She's like, yeah. I'm like, okay. I went into another coworker's office. She's I'm like, pregnant. I shut the door. She? I'm like, she's pregnant. Here's the thing. <laughs> she didn't know she was pregnant yet. She came in the next day. She she found out that afternoon she had a doctor's appointment. She found out she was pregnant, and then she, or maybe it was a couple days later, and she came back into work and told the second person, hey, I'm pregnant. She's like, oh, I know. She's like, how do you know? Ryan told me. <laughs> she didn't even know. So it was like the running gag. Like, yeah, it's like I can predict pregnancy, but yeah, it's it's, it's kind of the same thing. That'll be a that'll be a useful skill. <laughs> exactly, I'll save you like five ninety nine or whatever. <laughs> I'll drive out to Massachusetts. <laughs> yeah, because you won't spend any gas money. Need to know. Yeah, because you pee on him and he turns blue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pee on my hand and see what color returns. Oh, no. Why the hand? Why, never mind. Let's just not. Uh, I, let's I just move on. Pee on my foot. It's like friends. <laughs> you saw that one. That was the other. Uh, how you missed that? Like, <laughs> All right. What's next? Uh, well, the next thing that happens is after um, Ginny and Harry leave uh, and they're heading back. Um, uh, this is the scene where they they talk kind of about everything that took place and then. Uh, Harry, I, I like the part where, yeah, he walks her home, and I like the part where she's talking about how exhausted he is, and he is, <laughs> with all his might, he is feeling, because he knows that she can sense things, which, oh, but, which, by the way, I really like that, because 
talk about the, uh, the perfect girlfriend for Harry Potter. Somebody who he doesn't have to say anything to. <laughs> yeah, he, can, exactly. he can just he feel whatever he feels. He feels and she goes, you know? exactly. That's, uh, I mean, that, how much more suited for each other could they be? How do you feel? And he's like, can't you tell? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. He actually says that he likes that, yeah. But um, so, yeah, she obviously she could tell he's exhausted and 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 everything. And I don't think she needs to be a healer to figure that out. But I love that yeah. um, uh, she, he, he's thinking in his head, "Say that I can stay with you. Say that I can stay with you." And he's trying to feel it as much as possible because he wants you to pick up on it. But he, but he doesn't want to say it, so uh, he's sitting there going, "Come on, come on, come on, say it, say it, say it, say it, say it." And then, of course, she. She eventually does say it. She asks if he wants to stay. I'm like, either and, feel. Uh, I'm like, is he trying to feel horny or is he trying to feel lonely? <laughs> <couldn't figure laughs> that one. Um, He's just trying to feel think? how much he wanted to be with her. What I do love about this scene that I wanted to point out because um, it's one of the things that you know um, I get complimented a lot in my writing, but I love all the like physical details of this scene. You know, she drops her hand to his shoulder and begins to smooth his T-shirt. She closes her eyes and tilts up her chin. And there's a tiny crease on her forehead. You know, and there's, you know, all these, like, great little physical details that can just paint the picture for you. You know, and I think that that... Like, you know, I, you know, a lot of people will talk about physical placement and action a lot of times. Like, you know, you need to be able to tell what exactly everybody is doing during an action sequence, which can kind of make it kind of bulky. But I think that, like, in fluff especially, the more physical details that we have, not necessarily, I mean, like, emotional details are important, but, like, physical details, the, the better the sense of physical presence in the scene you have. You know, you feel almost a bit like a peeping Tom watching this scene. Oh, not me. It's so sweet. I'm like, yeah! I'm not like a creepy peeping Tom. (laughs) (laughs) No, I like like these kind. Jen wants to sit on, like, Hermione's bed with, like, popcorn and just watch the whole... (laughs) I want to be Hermione. What are you talking about? uh, Not for the scenes that are actually written. Wait! When they stop... Yeah, can, can I just say that Harry took a shower at the beginning of the scene, and, like, I was so disappointed because they never actually said that he was still shirtless. Like, I kept waiting for him to be shirtless, and, like, I was seriously disappointed because how great would that have been if Jenny walked in on him shirtless again? You know, because I think he was pantless last time. And oh, Jen! I was like, yeah! Oh, the Jen, I almost ran... Okay. Seriously though, I almost crashed my car the other day because <laughs> because on the left hand side of the road, because um, it was the last day of class, there was a, like a bunch of guys that are like athletes for the school outside <laughs> drinking beer without their shirts on. Seriously, I about crashed my car. I stopped the car two inches away from the bumper of the car. <laughs> It was amazing, and then I thought of you in the next moment. Like, Jen would have appreciated this. I would have. I just love the fact that, number one, she tries to make a good impression by crashing her car directly in front of the guy. <laughs> can someone help me get the hood up? Hey! And number two, as a result of Arabelle and Jenya, like, the fans of After the End, their, their car insurance rates have gone up, like, ginormously since... <laughs> Can any of you big, strong men help me? Hey, I am the only single one here. I'm allowed to look. 
and appreciate. You're allowed to look, but you go like run them down with your car. You're so excited. <laughs> anyway, not, I had to point that. It's out. okay. She'll just tell her priest, and it'll be okay. Yeah. It's not exciting. It's not like I was excited. I was appreciative. You'll be like, like Jimmy Carter. Oh, I lost it. Like in a my fine art. piece of art. Like a fine piece of art. Chiseled oh, whatever. Ass. Or delicious cheese. <laughs> I appreciate you. I'm sure that's great. I appreciate your six pack. <laughs> you guys are my patronus. <laughs> so, yes. By the way, come on, guys. Haven't you? Hasn't this crossed your mind that you know you were the source of my patronus? Is kind of like saying you're the one I'm thinking about. You know. <laughs> you know. Come on. Isn't that kind of what you? At least once hasn't it crossed your mind? Um, the sad thing is, I'm going to go with yes to that question. Yeah, yeah. I wonder How if Harry was... realized what he was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Every time I polish my wand, they think of you. <laughs> <laughs> Should be great, like in a card. <laughs> oh, I don't God. think Hallmark's coming out with that one anytime soon. <laughs> We should start, like, a store of Horrific Weekly and sell nothing but those cards. Oh, God, that would be awesome. Oh, okay. I need to breathe. <laughs> okay, so, so, okay, okay, now that we're talking about that scene where he's leaving her, he's like, okay, I want to stay with you, but I have to get my toothbrush and my pajamas. I'm like, shut up. Well, actually, she is. Was anybody else in the back of their mind going, and the condoms, and the... <laughs> no, but see, that's what's so great. That's what's so great about about these scenes is that, and, and you learn this as you keep reading, they have uh, so many what I call sex teasers in this story where yeah. you go, okay, did 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 they did, did they do... I, I don't Because the scene just kind of ends as uh, yeah. Ginny... It's, it says that Ginny tells uh, Hermione it's best to prob- for her to probably stay the night at the notch. And you go, oh, well, is that... Did they? And then later on, you find out. No, no, no they didn't. No, no. <laughs> like, what did they do that whole time? <laughs> exactly. That must. Harry's shirt came off. They yeah, they all, say it. They, they do say all it. Three Lord of the Rings movies, like in widescreen. Like it's like, what did they do all the time? <laughs> but can I just tell you? Here's the thing. That, this is what it doesn't irritate me, but it's kind of like when we, when uh, I think Renner and Jen and I were talking about um, Renner. Renner. When when Renner and Jen and I were talking about <laughs> the F. I love Melinda. She's like, I live 20 miles from him. I don't talk like that. You know, thank God you've never had to do the curse because you'd say Avadar Kadaver and then nothing would happen. Like smoke would blow out Avadar my mind. Come on. Avadar Kadaver. Nah. I'm like Neville with the broken nose. I think my wand's broken. Thank God you love Olivia, sir. <laughs> None of my spells are working. So Ryan, I love the way you talk. Okay, here's the thing that I just think is very amusing. Okay. It's like with apparition. Sometimes, you know, you can apparate to the other side of the world. Sometimes you can only apparate to the fence, and then you have to apparate another form. It's, there's different ways of apparating. Okay. So Harry's going to go and spend the night with Ginny. And his problem is, you know, I don't have a toothbrush, and I don't have pajamas. Now, in any other fic, he would, you know, turn the desk into pajamas, and he would turn, you know, the pencil into a toothbrush. Or, hey, guys. Yep. Hey, guys. Just, but hang on. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. Ginny's the one that tells him he doesn't have a toothbrush or pajamas. He doesn't say it himself. Oh, he doesn't realize it. Okay. But yeah, well, here's so, the thing. And he says, I'll run. Because he just wants to stay, I think. And he, and then Ginny's the one who says. Yeah, she wants, yeah, to, she, she wants to say. say he wants to stay. Give me five minutes. Give me ten minutes. No, give me 20 minutes. So 20 minutes. It's actually. 
It's actually uh, Ginny that brings uh, it all up. I think. I think with him, he would just be like, "Sweet, let's go," you know. And and yeah. um, she's the one who kind of puts the brakes on it. So, well, no, hang okay, on. Okay, well, let me, let me. Then he does decide he wants Ron to see him come home and go into his own. Yeah, room. that's true. It that doesn't true. take twenty minutes. I want to know what he's doing for the last ten. But here's the thing. Wait, hold on. If it's the first, never mind. We're just not going to go there. Seriously, I... it's like they're not even <laughs> excited. Haven't they ever seen a romance movie? You just go right into it. You don't take a twenty minute timeout. <laughs> Okay, here's the here's the only point I'm trying to make. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> Later on tonight, when, when Ron needs the complete edition of the Encyclopedia Britannica from his office, and he's in Arthur's office, he opens the door and says Akio. And you can picture fifty dead people on the ground because this thing is whacked every single person in the ministry on its way down to Arthur's office, but he doesn't go and get it. <laughs> but for Harry, he needs to go home and get the toothbrush. <laughs> like he can't go Akio toothbrush or he can't just make a tooth or he can't just apparate home in the morning and brush his teeth at but no you know it reminds me of that scene um in in the of of the oh what's the first book called Sorcerer's Stone <laughs> um, <laughs> in that movie oh yeah that one <laughs> The one oh my with God. the turban, yeah. All right. Okay, um, I'm sorry. I, I, like I said, my hands still smell like diapers, so I'm having a hard time thinking. I edited uh, out the first so, part of this, so no one knows what the hell you're talking about. But oh, carry on. I'm sorry, never mind. Just edit, edit all this out, because I can't focus. Okay, um, it, it reminds me of that scene in the um, Sorcerer's Stone movie where, you know, Hermione goes, Devil Snare, you kill it with fire. We don't have a match. And Ron goes... Are you a bloody witch or not? <laughs> yeah. Like, that was like my thought right there was like, are you a wizard or not? <laughs> Just deal with it. My goodness. But she needs 20 minutes evidently to put on her nightdress. Man, I mean, she can shave her legs and armpits and wash it. And I was also it. thinking she was going to shave her legs. That was my thing. Set her looks. hair in curls. <laughs> Makeup herself, powder. I mean, 20, 20 minutes, man. Get her Brazilian. <laughs> I get ready for work in 20 minutes. All I mean, right. she's just. Roundtable discussion. Jen, what was flowers? she doing in the extra 10 minutes? Like, she had roses that she was, like, putting on the bed and, like, I don't know. 20 minutes? Melinda. The sheets. Melinda. What was she doing? In the Changing the sheets. Changing the sheets. Phil, what was she doing? Uh, getting ready for the big night. I don't know. I have no idea. But it wasn't the big night. No, but we thought it was when we read it. You know on, we, all did. we all read that and went, no, here's that what was happened. it, right? Here's yeah. Maybe happened. she had to review the contraceptive charms or something. Here's the thing. She reviewed the contraceptive charms. She put on <laughs> soft music. She she transfigured Hermione's bed into a fireplace. Let's get it on. And she recorded herself singing Blue Moon. And she recorded Brushed her hair a hundred strokes. Yeah, and she recorded herself singing Blue Moon. And then Harry came in, took her shirt off, and went to bed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she also probably got the magazine out so she could make check marks as she goes. I don't know. <laughs> Harry, put the check next to number seven. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, and then Harry comes in, just goes to bed, and she like blows the candles out and just jumps in. I don't know. No, they they made out a little bit. It says that that once oh, the yeah, shirt came off, they kissed until they went to sleep. It's I was like, like, that's it. it? <laughs> well, okay, you just know, be patient. You know, it is kind of precious if you're like seventeen. But like, I was just yeah. thinking to myself, I was going, hey, okay, I was doing the math in my head, right? Harry has got to be what eighteen. I don't know how many 18-year-old boys the rest of you have been with, but let me just say <laughs> Very that, <few. laughs> that I, I don't Hardly know. Hardly ever. I, w- I was in theater for a couple of years. <laughs> so 
out the boys. No, let, me, let me just say one thing. I was I was in a stage production of the of the uh, the you know the movie A Few Good Men with all the Marines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, that's a good. That was a, that was a stage production before it was a movie. I was in a stage production of that, and I was one of in of all the. It's a Marine. Uh, story, right? Of right. all the guys that were in that play, I and there were probably twenty four of them. I was one of two guys that were straight in a in a, in a play about Marines. We all had our heads shaved, and we were all wearing the co- the boots and everything. We got the we got the costumes from the military. I mean, it was the full blown everything. And uh, yeah, I was one of men. two straight guys in that play. <laughs> nice. <sighs> okay. Point being that don't, ask, don't tell. Um, love that. It. I love it. You know, I, I, I bring this up all the time with, like, my authors that I've been for, but, um, with, like, uh, 18-year-old guys um, don't have the greatest, um, how do I put this delicately, control, and so <laughs> I have a hard time, like, picturing, like, even the guy who, if he can't, like, get the courage to ask Jenny on a date, I don't understand how he's going to be able to, like, go all night kissing her without, like some gratification <laughs> you know what I'm saying I don't know <laughs> I don't know maybe I don't give maybe I was just with like idiots my entire high school career but I think we just outdid butt sex as the you know most graphic <laughs> episode of the perfect weekly <laughs> no Chi I'll agree with you but I don't know I think some guys like the girl to take the lead sometimes and I think that neither of them were ready for that move and that's true and so I, I, I they're probably not ready for it but I just I have such a hard time with stuff like this because right. I'm like like well, the, rea- yeah. the romanticism of it is nice the reality of it is sometimes not so much though I can, well, yeah, but I, also- the whole, I can solve the whole thing in four words Harry had a headache <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I'll just say this the stereotype of 18 to 24 year old men is not always the truth sometimes they can be even more emotionally involved in sex and things than the girls are right that's true i'll give you that but like emotional emotional um involvement and control are two separate issues like it's just not even (laughs) that's the discussion I like how Jen and I are now the only ones talking. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just daydreaming oh. about days past. <laughs> I'm just sitting here thinking, edit, oh, edit, oh, no, just edit. <laughs> this is gone, this is gone. No, we're leaving it then. Oh, okay. All right, so what's I know, next? I hope my mother never listens to this podcast. <laughs> I hope Jen's husband never listens to this podcast. Although oh, after this one, he'll be like, as- all right. <laughs> I don't know, Melinda, I'm, I don't know how your mother is or anything, but I know as soon as I got married, my mom was just like, oh, let's talk about sex and dad and I. And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, stop. Like, suddenly it was okay. And 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 there was many things I did never want to know. <laughs> ever. Oh, no, my mother is still, you know, you just don't talk about that. <laughs> I wish I had your mother. Melinda has three sons, and she's still trying to keep it ambiguous. <laughs> the father that jokes about the trapeze that he installed in the bedroom now that I've moved out of the house, so, oh, you know. <laughs> Let's well, just say. Let's just we've, So we've, we've just finished up with a semi-happy moment, so of course the next moment has to be Thanksgiving. And it's between uh, Penelope and Bill and Leo is there, but he's cute. And they're talking about, he's you know, Gabrielle. He can say. <laughs> Well, you know, I think that this was very interesting that they started talking about Gabrielle, and they never actually say anything. Like, I think 
of anything that can be said about Arabella and Shinya. They're the queens of saying something, making a point, and never actually saying it. So yeah. Bill and Penelope have this whole conversation about Gabriella almost experiencing rape, but they never actually say it. Yeah, right. And and I thought that was just very. I like that the way they do that. It's it makes it worse somehow to. When when something's not mentioned because it's so awful to even consider, it just makes it worse, right? In my opinion, and so I really liked that, and and I just this is such a touching scene, you know. I don't know if anybody else wants to talk before I go on there. Yeah, well, well, I, well I'm one, sorry, Philip. Go ahead, Ryan. No, I was just going to say, oh, okay. you know, I. <laughs> I'll be, no, after you. No, really, after you. No, after you. I'll just say one. I'll just say one. I'll just say one sentence, Phil. Really, it'll only take me like twenty minutes max. Um, <laughs> it's only gonna have twenty predicate clauses. We're gonna be here. <laughs> oh my god, you remember predicate part? Oh, I love it. I, use, I love it. I use semicolons. Okay, you know, I, yeah, like on that. They even keep it very ambiguous. They say that you know Gabrielle said that nothing happened with the death either that they're looking for, but she won't say how she got out. So they leave it ambiguous, and you could have yeah. an entire very dark fic about what happened with Gabrielle and how she got out of there. But I like the fact, and this is just one of my. I'm not going to say it's one of my annoyances with the canon, but it's it's a quality that the canon has based on what the canon is that I like that fanfic can kind of go beyond that mold and break free and go in some different directions. Look at Chamber of Secrets. Yeah. Look at look at everything that happened to Ginny in Chamber of Secrets. She essentially oh, talk about this. Yay! She got to turn against. <laughs> she just woke up. Oh, what was that? <laughs> canon, canon. Yeah, I mean she. It's the book after the one that you can't remember the name of. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And, Shut up. <laughs> All right. So, you know, you have Ginny. Look at everything she went through. She essentially is, you know, pulled away from her family. She's completely isolated. She's essentially, you know, tr- she's just heavily traumatized by this, you know, dark wizard who just, you know, terrorizes her. And, you know, tells her that she's going to, you know, kill everyone she loves and watch everyone die. And no one will ever believe her. And, you know, completely gets in there and just completely brainwashes this little girl. And it's over. And Harry saves her. And, you know... Then, okay, then we go to the Great Hall for the end-of-the-year feast, and there's a line in there that says, and Ginny never looked happier. And I'm just thinking about, okay, okay, it's a children's book, number one. Number two, this is from Harry's perspective. What's he know? She probably had a smile on her face, so we thought she never looked happier. But that, like, in, like, if that were a darker fic or a more realistic fic, you know, Ginny would be in therapy for five years after that. Yeah. And, you know, that's not the point of the canon, and this is a book for little kids to read, so they don't want to see that at this point, and they're not there yet, but, you know, what Gabrielle went through was probably just as bad as what Ginny went through, and I've read some fics where they they handle what Ginny went through a little bit more, um, you know, in an adult or Yeah, graphically. And, thanks. And, you know, it's just, I like the fact that they didn't say, oh, Gabrielle's great, she's, you know, free now, and she's home with her mother, and she's playing in the yard. I mean, life doesn't work like that. If you go through something that right. horrible, you're going to... And they kind of hint that things might not be all right there, but we don't need to know that, because that's a story for another time. I just thought well, that was really good. Right. You know, in Half-Blood Prince, Joe kind of goes back to that that point that you're making about um, how everything seemed a little bit too rosy at the end of Chamber of Secrets. I don't know if you recall. Um, I'm sure you do, because you have a mind like a steel trap, and mine is like a bunny, but... Um, but when like she's, a bunny? yeah, a bunny flip? I I just trying to come up with an analogy. I failed miserably. I'm sorry. Been with two year olds. Spaghetti already. strainer. There you go. I have a mind like a spaghetti strainer. Sift. I get the imp- I get the important parts, but the like details sift out. Okay. Um, I 
I, you know, in Half-Blood Prince, I, I believe it's Half-Blood Prince, maybe it's Order of the Phoenix, um, Harry is talking about having dreams, you know, and Jenny says, you're not the only one who's ever been possessed by Lord Voldemort. And I think that that is a good indication to the fans that we were right, that there was more to that story than Joe decided to tell. Um, and it kind of makes me wonder if we were to see a Harry Potter the adult version mm-hmm. versus Harry Potter the kids version. Because I think that she deals with a lot of a really heavy, dark, very... Um, just at the core, very nasty issues. Um, racism, you, you know, ethnocentrism, like all these things that are, you know, considered not good by society because they aren't. Um, you know, I, I think that it would be interesting to see the whole series from a more adult perspective. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because I think there's a lot in the canon that we miss because it's a quote unquote children's book. And, well, I, and that's one of the I things, don't know if you call it children's book, really. Go, yeah. Phil. You have my No, permission. I was just going to say, thank you. No, uh, <laughs> this, what, the, 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 that actually is one of the reasons that, that uh, you know, fanfic in this particular story is so great, is that it gives you a chance to, to get into these characters. And we, we, we've all talked about this before, but I love with this scene with, um, you know, Bill and Penelope sitting together talking. When would that ever happen in, in a world beyond... Uh, fan fiction, and I think it's really cool because uh, you take these two characters who one of them literally is virtually non-existent in in canon, and um, well, actually, they both kind of are, really, when you think about yeah. it. Yeah. To this point, yeah. they burst. They both basically, yeah, exactly. And and here they're very fleshed out characters, and they're having this conversation, even even in this fic, with them fleshed out as well as they are. It's still a, a little odd, you know, that these two don't really sit down and talk very much, and. Um, I was just saying that one of the one of the things I really liked about this scene was when they're talking about what they're planning on doing, and uh, Bill is talking about how Fleur was offered a uh, position at Bobatins, and uh, Penelope says, "Oh, so you're you're going to give up Egypt and England for that?" And he says, "Oh yeah, no question. You know, he just it's not even it's not even a question because he he loves Fleur so much that that he's he'll go with her and and he won't even he won't even question it, and so that's." It's nice because you get that underlying theme in a lot of the relationships in this uh, in this story. That uh, uh, you know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be with the person I love, and and nothing's gonna stop me. And I, I like that a lot. It's a nice side effect of the war, I think. You know, because yeah. I it's, they spent a lot of their time not being able to be with the ones that they love. So when they finally, you know, when there's not Death Eaters and Voldemort in the way, then you know this, that sort of thing becomes. It's sharply in focus, I think, and this is a great demonstration of that. And I wanted to um, move the conversation forward to um, the couple, a couple of points. But um, you know, they talk about what they're doing, and, and he mentions that he's going to Egypt, and um, she mentions that she's going to be moving on in her life too. And um, Bill basically just says, you know, wherever you want to go, whatever you want to do is fine. Just we always want to have you around. Yeah. You know, and that is, you know, it's, Bill has that, um, je ne sais quoi, that older siblings sometimes have, really good older siblings have, my sister has it, um, where they say exactly the right thing at exactly the right time. Once every ten years, they get it right. And Bill's got it right twice. He, in the last chapter, you know, no matter what happens, good always wins. This chapter, he's reminding Penelope, 
you know, you're still a vital, important part of the Weasley family, and we don't want you to forget it. Yeah, he says, and now you have us for as long as you want. And, and that's, once they, boy, they, they just give Bill some of the best lines in this entire story, you know. And Somebody was how you always picture the Weasleys to be, too. It's perfect. Right. Yeah, and look at where, you know, Penny started the story. She's, you know, eight months pregnant, feeling fat, feeling depressed, you know, completely, you know, missing everything about Percy, and she's stuck with the Weasleys. They're the only ones that she has. Her parents have essentially turned their backs on her, and they don't care about her anymore. And because of the decisions that she's made to stay in the Wizarding World. And now look at a few months later, you know, she has... You know, Leo, and she's done these amazing things, and she's almost gotten past Percy. She's not there yet, but she she's healed, and she you know you, you never get over you know losing someone like that, but it gets better, and for her it's gotten better. And now she's at the point in her life where she's really moved on, but the Weasleys have you know she never started coming, but they become her family because that's what Weasleys do. They take you in. Yeah. You know, they take in the only children. They take in the people who have nobody else, and that's what they've done here. And I just thought that was a really great. You know, just thing to say about what family means. You know, even though our brother's gone, yeah. yeah. Even though our brother's gone, even though we never liked you, you know, when we thought of you before. Even you know, after all of these things, you know, we still are going to be your family. We're still going to be there for you. You know, for as long as you need us. You know, family is who you choose to be with. It doesn't necessarily mean what your blood tells you. And I think, especially yeah. in Harry Potter, who you know, there's so much evidence put you know put on what kind of blood you have. Are you a pure blood? Are you a Muggle born? Are you half blood? You know. You, Voldemort's blood, Harry's blood, you know, blood is, is everything. You know, the Weasley say, we don't care about blood. We don't care about, you know, what should be. We care about what is. I just thought that was just a really great way to cap off uh, Penny's character. This is one of my favorite, you know, scenes in the book. Like every other scene in the thing, but, you know. Yeah, I was well, going to say, getting... how many times have we said that? That should be part of our drinking game. Seriously, at yeah, the end sure. of this, <laughs> at the end of this, I'm going to make a, a Potterfic weekly after the end discussion drinking game. And we'll be sloshed by episode two. Yeah. <laughs> I love you guys. Well, Shen's like, I'm sloshed now. I've been playing. Oh, thanks. I'm on cold medicine. Hey, it's I had, I had an invitation to go drink and see Shrek 3 tonight. But... Shrek 3's in theaters? Bye. Bye. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. <sighs> okay. <laughs> What's next? Uh, after this, um, Hermione shows up, and they talk a little bit about what um, what Penelope's thinking about doing. She's thinking about going to see Delia, and then and, Hermione and, and Ginny show up right after that, right? Well, no, that's well, yeah. Hermione and Ginny show up, and then um, uh, Ginny tells Bill that she needs him to uh, come with her. And Hermione and Penelope sit down for just a few minutes, and uh, Penelope asks Hermione, "You know what?" Uh, have you have you thought about going back to Cortona? And she says, "No, I, I, I don't think I I want to right now. I want to stay with my parents." And that's when um, uh, uh, Penelope says that she's thinking about going because she thinks it'd be something that she's good at. And of course, Hermione then bursts into this excited uh, fit, almost of of <laughs> saying, "Oh yes, you have to go there, and and oh, that'll be so great." And 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 I'll 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 write you a letter of recommendation. I've never written one, and what what should I say about you? And and uh, Penelope just sort of lets her ramble on and. Uh, uh, I, I, once again, the uh, the last line is always good. It says, and she felt for the first time in a long time that life was going just as it was supposed to. Yes. And scene. 
Blackout. Fade to black. I actually, Fade to black. Listen, go to the commercials. I listened to that scene um, on my iPod. This is shortly after I almost drove into the gas station on the second day. And <laughs> I, like, during that scene when Hermione was going on and on and on, like, sometimes when you Hermioneisms. Yeah, Hermioneisms. You, you kind of, like, you're listening and you get into a habit where you can, you know, file paperwork and, you know, do this and do that and you can still listen at the same time. All of a sudden, I'm like, hold on, Hermione won't shut up because it was like, the, it's like my conversations. It's the sentence just kept going and going and going. <laughs> I'm like, is this what I really sound like? <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it goes to that. And then, uh, we, <laughs> yeah. in the next scene, um, this is when Ginny actually goes and confronts Draco. And uh, uh, tries to get him to agree to, uh, to well, for, well, first of all, actually, she's just kind of walking in, uh, not even really knowing what she's about to ask here. She she knows that she knows something, but she doesn't know that she knows what she knows. And she yeah, thinks she knows that. that she knows what she knows. She doesn't know that she knows what she knows, but she thinks that she knows what she knows. And she wants to confirm that she knows what she knows by talking to the person who knows that she knows what she knows. Right? <laughs> Everybody's with me on that one. Everyone say good evening in alphabetical order. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, Phil, did you write that out? Because if you didn't, like, five points to whatever house you're in, that's ridiculous. That would be Ravenclaw! <laughs> Yay! Boom! All right, here's the thing. Just as an update. We're kicking names and taking ass. I'm just, telling you. Just as an update, you know, on the forums, we're all sorted into houses. I'm in Hufflepuff. Melinda, why aren't you sorted yet? I have to ask. Well, because that quiz was so long, I didn't have time to take it. <laughs> it is a long quiz. I was going, oh my god, I have never taken, I've been sorted like 57 times, and this has never taken this long. Be sorted, we need numbers, Ravenclaw's walking away with the thing. You know what it is? It's like, oh, I got, I got a prediction, I got a prediction, I think, she, I think she's in Ravenclaw. I, I just got a feeling. I got I got a Ravenclaw vibe going on right now. My kids are, are determined that we ha- have to be in Gryffindor. They literally, I think their little, little hearts would be broken, so I don't even take the quizzes just because I don't know where I'll end up and I don't want to deal with having to tell them. <laughs> well, I have the final words, so I'm sure it'll be okay. But just to tell you right now, the, the house points are as follows. Ravenclaw's in first place with 135 points. Puff in second yeah. with a brisk 90. Gryffindor is at their heels with 85. Slytherin, zero. <laughs> Slytherin wow. has no points. How many, how many members does Slytherin have? They've got about four members. Well, Jules actually wants to give them points for existing. <laughs> you know, I think Jules may be one of the sweetest people alive, and I'm not like lying about that. She you is know, so we, cute. Yeah, she's very cute. The rest of us are like, ugh, Slytherin. <laughs> She's like, they're so sad. <laughs> You're such a round number. Wait a minute, Jen, your husband's in Slytherin. What's going on here? Yeah, I know. He he begged. Jen be- <laughs> Can I just point out that Jen begged to be put in Slytherin? I love really? Snape. I love him, <laughs> and he's good, and we're going to find out he's good, and, and there Jen- is gold at the end of the rainbow, darn it. All right, whatever, sweetie. You All right. Here. Live in ours. He might be on the good side, but he is not good. He's not a nice man. No, he is not, not a nice man. man. He needs to get over his adolescence, stick up his ass. I'm gonna get. You know what it is. You know what? Ever I, I possessed love... Dumbledore to allow him to teach? I do not understand. No, I don't. Uh, I we will find out. Sure. I hope we find out. Well, here's if the thing. Don't, I'm gonna say, to everyone says, you know, Snape is good or Snape is evil. I think there's comfortable mediums between them because he's not good and he's not evil. 
Mm-hmm. He's evil. I would say, you know what I would say? <laughs> okay. I would say real people are rarely one thing or the other. Right. Oh, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And, and so, I don't know, if you, if you come out and you say, well, Snape is good, then you're grossly oversimplifying the situation because <laughs> right. he may be on the right side of the war, but A, is he on the right side of the war for the right reasons? We never have understood completely why he switched sides, if he did at all. Um, and, um, <laughs> you know, why is he continued to have this, you know, hatred for Harry when uh, that feud should have ended with James at the very, at the very least, it should have ended with James, you know? So I, I don't know. I think, I think he's a man who's very troubled and deserves to be electrocuted. Yeah. But even, I mean, his, his hatred of Harry is, is okay. So he had a thing with James. It's childish. Fine. But, but he treats up like Hermione and Neville. There's no need for, for treating students that way. Exactly. You know, That's if he were, true. if he were a teacher in today's education system in America, <laughs> he would last all of two days. <laughs> like, there's just no way. No, you we need more snakes. We need more snakes, you think? We need more people uh, destroying students' yeah. self-esteem in the education system because that doesn't happen often enough. <laughs> <laughs> I had, I had a snake. My, my, um, was he as cute as Alan Rick? No, it was, it was, oh. she, was a, she was a lesbian. And, uh, we didn't find that out until later. So but, uh, you didn't answer the question. Did she look like Alan Rickman? Yeah, actually. She had the hair right. cut, you know, and the nose. <laughs> well, her hair was brown. But she had me, uh. she would have me, and she had me, like, so sick to my stomach that I would, like, be physically ill before every jazz band class. Oh, chee. See, I hate when people, I tell this story because everybody's like, oh, and I'm like, I wish I had grown a backbone and like punched her in the face. <laughs> like, I'm not really that like traumatized by it. Jen, I would have Jen been. jump kicks house elves to her after the podcast. <laughs> I deserve that, man. Where, where the hell are we in the story? So, uh, Jimmy is confronting Malfoy and trying to get him to, uh, to, uh, say, say what he knows. Knowing that he knows that she knows that she knows. Okay, can I just say I love Exactly. Her? One of the great things about the scene is I think they do a really good job of showing how human Malfoy is. He has absolutely nothing. He's a pathetic character He's who has nothing to He's got that sneer. He's got the sneer, but only when he thinks he has something. When he doesn't have anything to hold over anyone's head, he, he is a completely sniveling little character who, you know, is, is throwing himself on the mercy of the court. But when he, you know, when someone owes him $5, when he has something on someone, he acts like he is the king of the world. He is the extreme. He is like the good of the evil. He, he is, yeah, he is like at one end or the other. He's either completely, 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 completely defeated or he is in charge. And there's no in between for him. I think that was just a really interesting way to play it. Like, I, yeah. like even like the scene at the end when he like walks over to the cot, lays down, like gets himself all comfortable and falls asleep. Like he's completely content now that he has something. And compare and contrast that to the scene earlier where, you know, Jimmy says, I didn't accept money from you. The contract's not valid, and like the bottom drops out of him. It's just, I just thought that yeah. was such a really, really deep scene where you really don't think Draco is this absolutely, you know, all-powerful evil person who has all of these resources at his disposal, which a lot of authors write him as. A lot of authors write him as, you know, smaller Lucius, you know, this very, you know, self-confident guy. And Arabella and Jenny, right? He's a very weak. Weak character, and that's who he is. So you know, I, I want I wanted to say something because uh, in response to uh, some of the um, posting that's been going on in the forums uh, over the last few days, 
about uh, about this story in as a whole, and I think that uh, oh, there's been some 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 disagreement. No, but I, I wanted to le- I wanted to say something. I wanted to say something about it because I, I wanted you to, to know that that uh, I do find in this scene, in this particular scene, I do find something that I that is a little funny to me, and so I wanted you to to, to hear, Chi, that I don't think the story is 100 percent perfect. Oh, um, there are others to, like me in the world. Hallelujah. Yes, there are. Okay. Well, does anybody else? Well, does anybody else think it's kind of strange that when they're, you know, she, Jenny, finally is getting to him and convincing him that if he, if he helps out, that he might be able to secure his freedom. She doesn't promise anything, but he, he asks her, um, you know, um, could I secure my freedom if I were willing to come back and control the Dementors again? And she says, you know, I don't know, but I, I can, I can try or. And she's, you know, saying you can you can get them back to where they were. And then all of a sudden, out of absolutely nowhere, he says, or I could always destroy them if you want, which it was always it was always a very curious moment to me because I've always wondered, well, what's his motivation for destroying the Dementors? What does he get out of destroying the Dementors? I mean, it's not good. It, I took it and tell me because I haven't listened to this in a few days. I took it to be that, you know, she would have a really hard time restoring the status quo. And, you know, if it's just going to go back to the way things were, where he's... And look, let's look at it this way, too. Okay, say he's riding around on... Um, the hell's the name of the dragon? He's riding around on... Um, Mordor. Mordor. I'm, like, I'm thinking Norbert. He's riding around on Norbert, and he's controlling the Dementors. Now they know it's him. So someone's going to be looking for a reason why he's able to do that, and they may figure it out. And she already kind of knows it's the ring anyway. So, you know... And essentially, you know, they could probably put the ring on and just fly around the Dementors anyway and control them. Isn't that right? Does he say a spell? Does he do anything? Or is it just the ring that kind of holds them off? Well, he, he claims that, you know, nobody else could do it but him because nobody else could control the kind of magic that's in the ring. So, I mean, he's really kind of saying he's the only one. I think he got that he knew he needed to... Even look at the scene that follows in Arthur's office. He knows that he needs to do something big to win his freedom. I think he knows that he has the the capacity to destroy the Dementors, and that's what everybody wants. And I can trade, you know, all the chips in, and I can get exactly what I want. But here's one thing which I do find fault with in the storyline, is that when they're talking in earlier scenes, could it have been Draco? Could Draco have been doing something? This is when the the Dementors are going crazy. They say, well, it couldn't have been Draco, because when Draco goes home at the end of a shift, they would have gone insane. And I don't know yeah. why that didn't happen. Because if it is Draco and it's the ring, when Draco goes home at the end of the shift, the, the Dementors must have been crazy. Like, unless he, like... Because maybe the magic lingers or something. Yeah, gave the- yeah they said... Did they? But, but they do say um, that when after uh, Draco got arrested, they did they do say that it did take a couple days before the dragons started going nuts. Okay. So there there was a span of a few days in there. So, yeah, the, the magic lingered in some way. And, you know, they, they got a little bit worse... And then they got a lot worse, and they got, then they started kind of going insane. So it took it took a few days for that to happen. That's true yeah. too. I mean, yeah, okay. They deal a lot with um, residual magic in this fic. It's an interesting idea. Um, but you know, here's where I start to run into problem with the storyline too, because um, it's just that. It's so Lord of the Rings, and it drives me nuts. <laughs> like, oh, it is Lord of the Rings. It's obvious. It's Lord of the Rings. Like, Draco is Twisted Frodo, and I can't, <laughs> like, can't you just see Elijah Wood with his big blue eyes, you know? <laughs> I could destroy them if you'd like, because his balls never drop. Um, anyway. Um, <laughs> oh, gracious. Uh, I know. Sorry. I just have the biggest crush on him. 
Really? Frodo I, or Elijah Wood? Elijah Wood. Like, him and Flipper? Like, I was upset. <laughs> <laughs> like, seriously. <laughs> I loved you know, him I as guess, in. I, You know, it's just that his... Like, this is so off track, but, like, his performance in Lord of the Rings just made me want to punch him instead of, like, oh, no. feeling He's sympathy so for the character. Because he was He was perpetually in tears. How is that cute? That's annoying. It's like Hermione <laughs> and Goblet of Fire. Exactly. It's exactly like Hermione and Goblet of Fire. You just want to smack her because you're like, <laughs> surely you have to be, like, addicted to Visine or something because your eyes would dry out. You're not, you've never, nobody spends an entire year potentially in tears. You know. But anyway, right. sorry. Random chi rant. Right. And I told Brian I wouldn't do that. Nah, it's all right. I, but I will say I do agree with the residual magic. I actually like that, and that makes so much sense. I love the fact that now, thinking about it, it's not even mentioned. It's just kind of left out there. Because the alternative is that every time Draco went home, he had to slip all the Dementors behind the drill. So I'm thinking that's, you know, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a much cleaner solution. So I like that. Why didn't, why didn't nobody think of that, though? Like, why didn't they give them Benadryl? Because that's the solution to half the world problem. <laughs> It's a muggle thing. Well, the wizards need to come up with it. I have a they question. Have... It was never mentioned, like, why they didn't try and create, like, some type of, like, force field around Azkaban or some type of barrier to keep them in. Was that ever discussed? No, that's just... I think that's just a huge gaping plot hole. Like, because like, here's the thing. Can the Dementors travel through walls? Um, you know, we're not really told... I'm going <laughs> to go out on a limb here. A lot of clarity on exactly what right. the Dementor can and can't do. Okay. Yeah, I mean, especially in canon. Evidently, they don't fly, which I always thought they did. So you mean they could have put a bunch of Jersey barriers up around Azkaban? In this one, and then they looked like they were doing it in Prisoner of Azkaban, too, so you just don't... Well, you can't trust the movies. They they do a lot of acid before they make the movies. Oh, the whole whole footage scene in the the movies with the Dementors... you know, in the book, they're down on the pitch. They're not flying around him up in the air. So, I mean, they, they took a lot of liberty there. Yeah, by liberty, you mean ripping up the cannon and... They totally destroyed it, yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I was actually Jen's saying, over there going... Well, I have to just say this. I do have to say this about that. Um, the original Battlestar Galactica, when they made the new one... <laughs> See, I had to bring Take a shot, one. everybody. Here we go. Here we go. Everyone take a shot. But when they made the new one, they took, <laughs> they took the lead male character. There was two guys who were like brothers, and they recast the character as a woman. And the fans went ballistic. And all I could think of is, could you imagine if, like, Rom was a woman or something, and they, like, completely got... Or, because didn't they want to make Sam a woman, too, in Lord, in Lord of the Rings, the movie? They originally wanted Sam to be a female character. Yeah, they were talking really? about it. Yeah, I mean, like, I was actually thinking this. They could do worse with the Harry Potter movies, but I, I, I will give them that. Yeah. They haven't... You know, they've, they've... Hermione's been PMSing for three years, but they haven't done that much yet. So. <laughs> I will give them that. Next, we go to Arthur's office where they call Sirius and Ron in to discuss what's co- what what Draco can do. Draco, oh my God, it sounds weird to say Draco. Call Malfoy. Malfoy, yeah. Um, and I liked when when Arthur goes in and and Sirius is almost you know you can just picture the bagged little boy expression on his face that he's there and 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 Arthur was like you know you might as well just come too. And I can just see, you know, the like the puppy dog expression that he's so happy he can come. <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah. a big Labrador retriever. Mm-hmm. One thing I just realized in the scene too, they really write Arthur almost like he's Dumbledore. He's just mm-hmm. he's this very wise, 
know, wizard who doesn't seem to care about the pettiness that other people would seem to be consumed with. And, like, he doesn't overreact. He doesn't get flustered. He takes everything very calmly. Like, I'm, I'm waiting for them to talk about his half-moon spectacles. He really seems <laughs> like he's channeling, like, the Dumbledore that's Dumbledore, absent, yeah. absent from this fic. Here's the thing, though. You know, um, when Joe, since Joe is telling a, like, a traditional fantasy epic, like, pretty much, like, word for word, like, what has to happen, um, when you kill the mentor off, there is this sense of a big, gaping hole in, um, in the world, which is probably why J.R.R. Tolkien brought Gandalf back, you know, because you kind of, everybody longs for that, um, omniscient. Look at Sherlock Holmes, man. Right. Yeah. Right. Everybody longs for that omniscient person who can just, you know, who nothing gets to them. It's all logical. And, you know, so I, I can see why you would write Arthur this way. It's And he does fit into that role kind of easily. You can just see right. him being this way. Everybody's dad, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. You know, and he's had to put up with Molly for years and years and years. And <laughs> anything will make you put up with infuriating people really well. Be dealing with yeah, Molly. people screaming and yelling around him doesn't phase him in the slightest. Yeah. <laughs> You know, my brother has, like, he grew up with, um, my sister and I are his only siblings. And, um, I was dating this guy who didn't have any sisters. And he would sit in the back of the car and, like, you, you know, you know, ladies, when we, or we get three or more of us together, if we're not talking about feminine things, like, within <laughs> an hour, <laughs> then, but, like, my brother has this off switch in his head to where he just, like, doesn't hear it anymore. And, so Arthur probably has one of those, just like an off switch in his head to where he doesn't hear anything. He's kind of off in his own little Yeah, world. he raised seven kids, two of which were yeah. Fred and George. He has to have an off switch. Yes, yeah. for sure. One thing that did affect me in the scene, though, too, is you have the moment when, you know, the question, do we let Draco go or do we prosecute him and keep him in prison forever? You know, what damage can he cause? What things does he have to atone for? How much is his freedom worth to us? And I love the point where it almost comes... Okay, you have the Minister of Magic. You have Sirius. These are like the movers and shakers of the wizarding world. And the question is, will Ron let him go? And I still think it's amazing. Like, it's not like Arthur deciding. It's Ron. Right. Deciding. Like, I'm just like, how much power do I really you have? like... Yeah, I really like that suddenly it's everyone trying to convince Ron to let him go. Like, when did he he become the judge of who is who? What criminals today? And as like now, he's not he's not even the lawyer now. He's like gone from lawyer to he's the Department of Corrections guard. administrator. It's he like, is the freaking judge now. Yeah, it's such what a does Minister of Magic actually do? Ron's doing it all. <laughs> And he cooks, too. They don't need the ministry. They just need Ron. Exactly. I I thought that was hilarious. There's a moment where they all look to Ron like, will he do it? Will he do it? I'm like, you don't need him to sign off. You're the minister. (laughs) This is why you're going to be kicked out of office. You don't use power well. Can I just say that we saw Lawrence again this chapter? Lawrence the butler. (laughs) I love Lawrence. He's my favorite. Well, you know, and, and also this, we're 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 smack dab in the middle of the longest chapter in the entire story, but this is the one time when I, I remember not minding because, and I and I, I mentioned this uh, before, 
this, we talk about the visuals that they can create. And, and she, you were talking earlier about those, those little moments where you get that detail and it really, really helps mm-hmm. you to visualize. Well, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but when we do get to the part where they, they are at Azkaban, man, I have, I don't think I've ever read something in my life where I could visualize it better yeah. in my brain than the, than this, this whole sequence. I mean, it just, I could see every single bit of exactly what was going on from the, from the dome to the dementors, uh, to every little bit and piece of it. And it was, and I, and I thank them for that because they put in that descriptive language where, you know, a lot of, a lot of writers would have done what they could, but you would have had sort of this vague, foggy idea of what, of what the scene was. But, but boy, with this, they, they took the time and they took the language to really, really paint that picture for you. And um, I, I, I thank them for that. And, and for that reason, even though this chapter is very, very long, um, I don't I don't mind it that much. I because I, right. it's compelling because, you know, so the way good. that I look at it is it's not about, you know, it's not about is it long, is it short? It's, it's about does it hold my interest? It's even though it is one of the longest written ones, it, it's not the longest reading ones. It, it just takes you right into it. And you're so caught up in the moment. It, it seems to go by, I think, a lot faster than for, for how long it is. Oh yeah, absolutely. God, it's just one thing, and then the next thing, and then it's awesome. But before before we go there, can we just um, talk about when Jenny actually tells them what the ring can do? Because to me, I love that scene. Phil was saying how he loves the the little details that they put in. And I think this is the perfect example of that. And I think like when, um, when Jenny comes in and she's telling them, okay, you guys, you need to sit down for this. And they're like, what, what, what is it? She's like, no, you need to sit down. And she's saying, you know, she starts talk, she starts talking about what the ring can do, the Dementors. And finally, she just says it can destroy them, the Dementors. And she says it very softly, you know, and I thought how great that a line of that profoundness can <laughs> did you like that profoundiosity oh i was like is that the real okay <laughs> i don't know um, <laughs> but do you know what i mean like if they'd said it any other way if she had you know i even wrote here if she had loudly exclaimed it or if she'd been sarcastic or angry like it, it wouldn't have been so numbing just so mind-boggling and and the fact that she says it so softly like i don't know it's those little details in the sentences to me that may that differentiate a a normal sentence from a ceiling from a sentence that really has some impact in it if that makes any sense no and it's also followed up immediately with a a dead silence which is kind of cool and as they said it's so thick that it hurt ron's ears you know yeah and i like that that moment because the impact of what she said uh it was just profound. I mean, it really was. I, and then Sirius I, goes nuts. You know, it, it, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Basically, it's uh, it's great um, understanding of you know we talk or I talk a lot about um, young writers um, and and their ideas of you know sometimes you run into people who think that if it is a big deal, it has to be big. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you know, Harry shouts, I love you. Or, um, you know, it's like that stupid K commercial where he's standing in that. Um, I rain. love this yeah. woman. Exactly. <laughs> Very that Tom one. Cruise moment. Yeah. Yeah. That. And you're just, you're like, 
that would be sweet if he wasn't such a jackass. But, you know... (laughs) (laughs) Point being that uh, I'm the only... You guys notice that I'm the only one that gets, like, the the, do- the gongs and the dings and the edit the censored parts on the podcast. I think I'm a little bit curses. Oh um, no, you didn't listen to Jenny's interview. Carry on. When you want to um, make something one thing, the best way to do it is to have a contrast. You know, if she's making a big statement, a big deal about if if this is a huge deal, the best way to do that is to contrast it with a smaller dynamic. You know, yeah. it's very much yeah. like writing classical symphony. You know, you have a call that is very loud and then an answer that is very soft because, you know, the answer has just as much impact, more of an afterthought. It's the art of understatement. Yeah. Understatement. You know? yeah. And actually, you know, you, you could take that, that same commercial, if you remember that whole commercial that you were talking about where the guy screams and then he gives her the diamond and then she whispers, I love this man, I love this man. And, th- and then you think about that commercial, you go, that was kind of the better part. You know, yeah. I mean, it was kind of, it was kind of sweet, but jackassy that he yelled. <laughs> I can't believe he brought but, that comparison full full circle. Like, yeah, it was, it was Italy or something. I don't know where it was. But yeah, but then but then she whispers her response to him, and that was that had a greater impact. So making right, a very exactly. crude analogy between after the end and a diamond commercial. Um, Does everyone? Watch, uh, no, it's true. Uh, You're right. Guy? Does everyone watch Family Guy? Oh. I yes. love that show. Unfortunately. Do you remember the episode where his boss... Did you say no, unfortunately, or fortunately? I say unfortunately. My husband makes me watch it, and I think it's crude and horrible, but it's funny, too, but it's It is bad. crude and horrible, but it's fantastic. The one about AIDS was a little over the top, but... Oh, my um, gosh. The, the one where um, <laughs> Peter's boss is coming over, he's like, I hope I don't do that thing where I get really loud and really quiet. He, open, he opens the door, he's like, hello, please come in. <laughs> <laughs> I totally missed it. I have no idea what was just said. You're not missing a lot. Pulled that laugh right through it because I remembered it. (sighs) Okay. Um, Okay. Back to get back. I'm going to push this back to the story just a bit because we have a long way to go. (laughs) I know. Nudge, nudge, nudge us back. All right. I am gonna gently nudge us. Um, I I'm just kind of going by my notes because honestly, guys, this these were kind of just my thoughts through it. So if anybody's read it and y'all are like, yeah, I don't care about that, let's just move on. Just let me know. Um, I, I thought it was interesting that Bill, this this kind of made me laugh. Like he's staring at this ring from across the room. And he's like, yeah, you know, it's cursed, all right. <laughs> I'm like, what is, he, is Bill from Minnesota all of a sudden? Yeah, that's a curse ring there. I was oh yeah, legit. I can't I touch it. I'll get myself killed. I I just got an image of um, Bill as Clint Eastwood in Dirty Hat. I was Dirty thinking Harry. John Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just you know like like Jenny's a healer. I go, uh, uh, Bill is now a curse seer. I don't, you know, he does that the other, at Azkaban too, and Jenny's walking and he's like, stop, don't move. And like, he casts a spell and suddenly there's a curse. I'm like, what on earth? What? Yeah, he well, can just so, sense it. He Maybe he's been around curse. it so much he can kind of like, his spidey sense goes off. <laughs> go, go, catch it off. Anyway, I thought that was interesting. And so I was just like, yeah, it's one of those things that I just go, okay, you know. But but it amuses me. He's like a business analyst. Yes, this is a business. I mean, (laughs) Ron. Oh my God! Talking about myself. 
John, John, uh, Jeff Dunham, have you seen it? Yeah. Are the, you with myself? Yeah, that was um, Arthur. No, that wasn't Arthur. Was that Peanut? Peanut. Yeah, Peanut. Johnny's ta- back. Talk to Danielle. She watches it every night. Sorry, oh my guys. Goodness. Sorry. Your, your Christmas presents are all picked out now. Okay. <laughs> it's Kiska, awesome. huh? You, it's, no. It's a line from a ventriloquist act. You gotta be there. Oh, yes. It's so okay. Funny. Yes. The, no. The, the the puppet calls on someone in the audience and says, "What do you do? What do you I'm do a for a living, Terry? Yes, I'm a business analyst." Well, okay. Then it it goes then to Jenny talking about what her what what she found out, blah blah blah, and she's like, "Do you even know what he said to me today?" Blah. blah. And I'm like, "Hello, it's Draco. Who's shocked? Not me." Yeah. <laughs> and like, she expects everyone to be like, "Oh, poor Jenny." And it, we're like, like, hello. It would be like going to talk to Saddam Hussein and coming away going, you know what? That guy's an ass. Like, and Mandy's crazy. I think that guy is nuts. Get the dogs out of <laughs> Seriously. Serious? Okay. Oh my god, <laughs> That's my new... I don't know if anybody... Oh, I guess y'all wouldn't know because y'all don't know me. But that's my new saying. <laughs> <laughs> like I've been going seriously serious when everybody when everybody says something that's like ridiculous. So and everybody just looks at me like I'm retarded, but I laugh and it's hysterical to me. Are you wearing a helmet at the time? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't on my bike at the time, so I guess no. But no. <laughs> What's the scene in this chapter I want to just point out? It's the point where Ron does his I'm a stubborn ass thing and all of a sudden someone I think it's Jenny calls him on something and he genuinely feels bad. What was that? Yeah. What was that? What was the argument about? That was, um... I don't know. How's Jen defined well, it? She's a queen of swirling. Oh, I I don't know, actually. I'm thinking... Well, no. Well, there was... Oh, she where, points uh, out the Hermione thing. She goes, what would Hermione yeah. think? And Ron is like, oh, yeah. I haven't thought of her for a whole hour. <laughs> I'm a bad, bad person. I'm like, that's right, well, he, buddy. He realizes... Yeah, he realizes... Uh, I think he kind of realizes in that moment how much of his life has been uh, uh, consumed by trying to get Draco Malfoy put away forever. And yeah, and then, and then when, when uh, he kind of comes out of it and thinking about Hermione again, realizing, oh my God, I, this this woman who's who I'm going to marry, I haven't even thought about her in a little while. I think he kind of realizes it says he suddenly felt rather cold. And I think that was kind of his, his or the, the author's way of saying he, he does kind of, at that moment, maybe that's when his thoughts shift a little bit more towards, you know, maybe there is a, a greater good here. Or maybe there is something that that we can do to to even though we may not keep this guy, even though I may not get what I personally want, it's better for the world that we live in to do what we're obviously leaning towards doing at this yeah. point. And just to well, juxtapose I- that, huh? see how I did that there, juxtapose. <laughs> just to juxtapose that yeah. with uh, the scene earlier. That's going to that- be a new drinking word. It really is. Every time Ryan says juxtapose, <laughs> juxtapose. See, uh, anytime um, anyone says juxtapose, I think I juxtapose, use it once. Juxtapose. Yeah, so oh. just, you know, okay, so juxtapose that with the scene earlier with uh, Ginny at uh, the Notch. And you have, I thought that, and I'm still going to stick to my guns on this, I thought that Ginny, you know, handled that like a real person. You know, real people, when, you know, they have to admit they're wrong and they're stubborn, they kind of look for the out. I, 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 you know. Speaking of people who won't admit they're wrong and they're stubborn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Much like myself. <laughs> but, the, you know, and, my, and carry that forward now. You know, okay, you have Ron, you know, he, he is 
obsessed with Draco, and you know, with good reason. Draco's a dangerous person. Draco's someone who's done harm. You know, some, Draco's someone that has harmed both Ron and Ron's immediate family tremendously. So Ron, this isn't like a petty grudge, like you know they never got along in school, so Ron's going to make his life hell. Ron is justified, although there does come a point when you know, no matter how justified you are. It's not worth it. The price tag is too high. You, it's like you know the arguments that we have now in the United States about torture. You know, is torture justified? You know, if if someone has information that you need, well, it may well, save lives or it may diminish who you are as a person, and it may not be worth it. One thing I just thought was interesting about that scene, though, was that I, I thought that Ron's reaction, while re, while you know a genuine reaction, while this is the way. You know, you would hope someone would react. I found it a little less believable for Ron. It was a situation where, you know, he has been so consumed with this and he has dug his heels in so deeply that Jenny says, you know, this is destroying you as a person. You know, you haven't even thought about Hermione and his reaction is, oh my God, you're right. I apologize. I'm sorry. You know, this is, I I, I thought that Ron would really have a hard time letting go and it just seemed like he was too rational. And Ron's not. I'm sorry. No problem. I go, I, I think it was just really fabulous that they finally had Ron be the one. Like, all of them are obsessed, like, insanely with something or other. I mean, that's what this story is about. All these characters being obsessed with something and either having to make the choice to fix the problem or let it go. And, and Ron, in some ways, has matured more than any of the characters and I really liked that he's the one that actually acknowledges that, you know what, this obsession has to go. You know, I think even Arthur mentions it somewhere down the line. I know we're not there yet, but he mentions that um, Molly basically made him make that choice. You know, you're either going to be obsessed with work and bring it home, or you're going to have work and then you're going to have a family and you need to decide which one's going to be more important to you. And, yeah, the I mean, her. Moment. Right. Well, I mean, Hermione, with her parents, she's obsessed about getting them better. She goes to be a thinker. Jenny is obsessed with being a healer and helping people, and obviously that got the best of her, and she had to back off, which I think makes her the excellent candidate to point that out to Ron, that he could destroy things just like Jenny did in in one way or another. You know, Harry is obsessed with everything. He can't let anything go. They all are obsessed with something serious. Don't even get me started. But do you know what I mean? And I just really liked it. I thought it was very nice that they actually put it in because that was Ron overcoming his thing. That's a good point. Sort of. I mean, it just seemed like that's a really hard thing to break. And what I like about the story is, you know, this isn't a story where people have, you know, this, oh my God, life-changing character moment. My sister really is a good person and they never fight again because that lasts for all of 20 minutes in real life (laughs) killing each other again. I just, if even. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's like, I get what you're saying, and I like the symmetry, and I like the fact that Ron is the first person to give up stubbornness. I just like the symmetry of that. I just, I don't know. It it, it just didn't seem to ring true to me, but... Well, you know what? It, I think it's kind of a um, Arabella and Xenia getting to the end of their fic and realizing they have to tie loose ends up, and how do I make that easy on myself type of decision? Um but, you know, it, they're good enough writers that they can kind of hide that. So. Yeah. Well, there, there's a couple things that happen here, though, because 
first of all, something that we skipped over is uh, serious. Just sort of, um, you know, it's it's the whole thing where I kind of pictured everybody sort of talking at once and everybody sharing their ideas, and all of a sudden, Sirius's voice cutting through all of the the thickness of the conversation and saying, "I want to kill them," and he just God, says flat I love that out, moment. he just says, yeah. "Yeah," he says flat out, "Let him go, let Malfoy go. It, I don't care. It doesn't matter. This is bigger. This is more important. This has to be done. If this doesn't get done, I'm going to lose my mind." And that and that impacts serious. everybody in the room, and it, it yeah. And he's very serious, serious. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, and Ron, you know, and Ron, that, that has an impact on Ron. So I, I don't necessarily see this as Ron just kind of all of a sudden going, oh, well, okay. You know, I mean, there's these moments. There's this moment where Sirius says, hey, this has to happen. Uh, I don't care. This has to happen. And, and he's been on, not on Ron's side so much, but he's been the one, he's been helping Ron all along, try and come up with his evidence and try and do everything to, to put Ron, uh, I'm sorry, to put uh, uh, Draco away. And all of a sudden he just cuts right through it and says, no, let him go. And then well, is- a little bit, a little bit later on, well, I just want to make one more point. A little bit later on, um, they're, they're talking about coming to this decision and Ron does remember the way that Harry looked at the beginning of the previous summer. And then he thinks about, um, I think it's uh, Kitty Douglas, the woman in Stornoway, and thinks of being in her husband's shoes and and how that would, would feel. And so really what, what he's essentially saying there is, what if it was Hermione? You know, what if it was Hermione who had lost her soul? How would I feel? And, and, and how would I feel a year from now if something like that did happen? And I had been the one who had said, no, we can't let this happen because I got to put Draco away. I got to put Malfoy in prison forever. So he, I don't necessarily see it as him just all of a sudden saying, oh, okay. I see these, this series of events and he's literally in this room with all these people uh, that, are, that are critical in this process, in this decision-making process. And they're all bringing up these points and it's slowly chipping away at his resolve until he finally gets to the conclusion where he, he realizes that, that destroying the Dementors is absolutely the most important thing. I think finally what made Ron change his mind was when before before Sirius made it personal before he was said you know I want to kill them let me kill them when he said they've got to be destroyed we've got to do this I think for the first time um, or it, maybe it was after that I can't remember but when he says you know this is something that has to be done um, if they can be destroyed, then there's no question here. And and I think at that moment he took it he took it on a non personal level. He moved beyond that, beyond it being personal, and made a very extremely good point. And I think that's what I mean. Ron is a str- strategist, and a, you know if, if logic is pointed out to him, he's going to do the right thing. Right. Yeah, and look at the different levels of victory that we're looking at here. Draco is being Draco. He's being the weak character who doesn't win. He just wants everyone else to lose. And the way things are going now, Harry will, you know, slowly kill himself, you know, on Norbert, you know, defending, you know, the world from Azkaban until he dies. And Arthur will be thrown from office in disgrace. You know, that's how Draco defines victory. You know, they, you know, everyone won, but they also lost. It's what I was saying, you know, in the first episode. You know, they won, but they lost, and how they deal with that. Draco just wants them to, you know, roll over and die and and not be able to move past that. And they need to find some way to end this roadblock. They need to get rid of the Dementors. They need to close Azkaban. They need to get everyone away from this, you know, 
paradox that they're in now and let them heal and let them move on. And I love the fact that, you know, this is basically like a pro and con list. This isn't, you know, Draco murdered someone, do we let him go if he tells us where the thing is? This is, you know, the fact that Draco will commit crimes again. And they're not holding him for that. They're not holding him for what he's going to do in the future. But everybody in that room knows Draco Malfoy should be in jail for the rest of his life. And if we let him go, he will, you know, potentially become the next Dark Lord, or he will yeah. finance the next Dark Lord. Yes, yeah, somebody else is going to suffer for this yeah, decision. We're, go. Yeah, it's going to be 50 years from now, and we're going to be back where we started with fighting Draco based on the decision that we could make here today. Is there no other alternative? And I like that they all come to the same realization. What, you know, We're going to have another Dark Wizard anyway. It's going to happen. And, yes. we, and we will fight. Right. We fought right. before. We fought now. We're fighting after. We will fight again, and that's just who we are. And that's what we do, and we're going to do it. So, we, you know, we're willing to – and just even think of the way Draco is doing this. He's trying to cost them their self-respect. He's trying to cost them – he wants them to be up on brooms firing Avada Kedavra. Right. And it has to be well, them. can't be anyone else. It has to be them. Unless he thinks it won't work and they'll all die. And then it's no loss. I th- Well, I think he probably entertained that notion, but I think he probably is so full of himself he thinks it will work. Because I, I I never got the sense he went up in that broom thinking he could be injured. I think he thought he had it and he was cocky about yeah, it. Yeah, I thought he's in control. Yeah. He, he wanted to humiliate these guys. Yeah, he wanted to make Harry use dark magic. He wanted to make them all use dark magic. Just it, to yeah, to, to yeah. say, see, you're no better than I am. Yeah, and I just, I just, I just, I thought that was one of the high, you know, like the scene with Bill and, you know, in Penny, I thought was one of the high points of these chapters, but I just love the moment when they all realize we're in this together. This is going to come again. We won for now. It's not going to, you know, just like, you know, take the lesson from the last few chapters. Good always wins. But the other half of that sentence is, but darkness always returns. And Bill, and good always wins. And darkness always returns. That's the same thing. They're going to fight the Dark Wizard. It's going to probably be Malfoy based on this decision they're making, but they will fight. I just thought that was just a a great realization for them to come to. It is really nice. We find out that the ring has, like, a wand center. So it can, and that's important. And, and, and I remember going, oh, okay, cool. What? And, (laughs) And, um, uh, and so, you know, they're talking about they have to get on broomsticks and blah, blah, blah. Right? Yes. Right. And they have and, to use the killing and curse. And blah, blah, blah being very... Correct fic, yes. I just think that I love Moody. And, like, of all the people, like, he's wanting someone to strap him onto a broom. <laughs> <laughs> and have him wobble out to sea. It's like, like the three guys you leave behind. <laughs> you can tell the old man who's spinning on the broom trying to steady himself. And he's probably the one that would be going, like, charge! I just love him. I, I love, love how Ron tells Hermione he's just terrible on a broom, and so she's got to stay behind with Moody. Oh, my gosh. I love that the, is my I love favorite. the line, too, because it's like, you can't go. And she's like, Ron, don't be so... No, really, you're the worst flyer. <laughs> but he's so earnest. But he's right, but it was hysterical. <laughs> But it's so great because he's so earnest and he's doing it because he genuinely knows that she'll get hurt. And I really liked that even Harry jumps into it. You know, they're both so genuinely telling her that she's the worst flyer in the world. (laughs) (laughs) And it's so touching. It's touching and it's hilarious. And it, but it's, it's sad and it's true. I I love that scene. And I cracked up when Harry then looks at Ginny. Ginny, you can't go. And she just like smacks (laughs) him on the back of the head and gets in her. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
And what about that romantic goodbye kiss that Harry's basically saying goodbye and Jenny's like, no, this isn't goodbye. And I'm like, it's not goodbye. <laughs> That's Just- such like a, uh, Ingrid Bergman, um, oh, yes. Oh, starring Casablanca. Casablanca. Um, oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's what's great. What's name? Oh, Play it again. Humphrey Bogart. Humphrey, Humphrey Bogart. Bogart. Thank you. It's oh. one of my favorite movies of all time. I've got, I've got it with me. I've actually brought that with me. Oh, it, I, I watched it just the other day for the first time. It, oh, it's a great movie. That it's so Casablanca, you know? It's, it is. Uh, it is very Casablanca. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's the good, the, it, the goodbye, but not really goodbye kiss. Yeah, you right, have to exactly. survive. One, yeah, although, like Titanic before she like knocks him off. <laughs> <laughs> although, although I do have to ask, it's not play it again, Sam. It's play it. Play it once play more. It Sam, play, yeah, yeah, play, play it, it, play it, Sam. Play it, Sam. Play it once yeah. more for me. Yeah, it's like yeah, they never say "beam me up, Scotty," but that just became like the phrase. <laughs> yeah, I'm not yeah. a doctor. I mean, wait. Damn it, Sam! I'm a doctor, not a doorstop. Insert name here. It's like... Yeah. Okay. Okay. Can I just point out two things I love in the scene? Rose, I just think, has been great these few scenes. It's like, in the beginning, she's kind of quirky, and she's kind of one-dimensional, but you really like her. I love the point where, you know, in the previous scene, when, you know, Draco, you know, is being all, you know, pompous and wants the secretary to come down, and she's like, yeah. I'll, I'll get a deal with him. We're putting him in on probation for 50 years, and we're finding him tremendously, and she's so pissed at him. But She hates just, him. But she, And here's the thing. She knows she can cut a good deal, and she knows he'll take it. And then I love the scene now when she's out there, you know, and they're about to leave, and she's addressing the crowd. She just was, for whatever reason, reminding me of a very nice version of Umbridge. Like, him, him, with her little clipboard. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'd like to make a public service announcement. Him, him. I just thought that was... I, I really like that scene, too. And um, it, it's actually... It was interesting, because if you had to describe everything that's happened to this fic, to just, like, you know, the guy who lives down the street from Azkaban, who has no idea who these people are, what's going on, you're like, hold on, there's a ring that controls them all? <laughs> What? One ring. (laughs) And and it flies Mordor? Like, what? I do like it. I love it. Is there a trilogy about that ring? (laughs) This could take as long as three books to finish up. I really like when they're getting dressed to go out to battle. And, like, Hermione and Arthur are just hopeless. Like, they can't get in the jacket. And, like, Victor... Arthur's, like, the man who will lead us. He's like Winston Churchill. Can someone set me up? (laughs) Well, like, I'm imagining this jacket, like, one of those jumpsuits, you know, that goes, like, under the crotch. And you have to, like... Do you know what I mean? Like, one of those... And I'm just imagining him. And it's just ridiculous. And I think it's hysterical. And I love that that later on Harry and everybody's like, oh, I'm not going to wear it. It's just fire retardant. You know, I'm not going to actually use it. There's no dragons, blah, blah, blah. And like later Harry's like, man, I wish I'd brought the jacket because usually I can keep some snacks in it. <laughs> like during the middle of battle. I'm like, yeah, it's snack time. Harry like bangs on the shoulder of the next guy. Do you have any Cheez-Its? Starving. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just say one thing? If we had to do, like, you know, after the end in 8.7 minutes and we had to sum up these I lines, want to so badly. We should. <laughs> we'll do it. But we should. We should. So let's let's it, Phil, right on the plane. But, um... <laughs> you know, here, Man, I got a lot of responsibility now. <laughs> you, you do. Yeah, podcast, we, we're good at handing it out. Exactly. Yeah, we are. <laughs> we're like, Jen knows days. in the forums now. Jen's like, hey, can we have this? And I'm just, like, staffs out to Jen. <laughs> but, yeah. But, um, <laughs> 
I love the point where they're they're about they're 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 getting ready to fly out to Asgaman and they're on their brooms and Hermione stays behind and gives Ron the goodbye kiss. I just love like the little you know if Ren is not here, but the ancillary characters. I love you know the Lawrence. Uh, exactly. It was Lawrence there? No, I'm t- <laughs> no. Actually, he should have been though, man. It does remind me of the Star Trek episode. Who's running the world right now? They're all at Asgaban. Like who's on the ship? Yeah. You know, the- yeah. But, um, uh, and, you know, the captain's been kidnapped. Exactly. They La- need to. Uh, they need to stash their vice president in an underground somewhere where we can't find him. Yeah. Who is the vice? Ma- is there a vice minister? <laughs> Seriously, it's probably Ron. <laughs> Ron's acting minister of magic. Arthur has a dentist appointment. But you know, it's like so they're all flying out, and I love the fact that you know Harry's in this mood where he thinks this will be it, and Ginny's like, "If we live, we can have sex tonight." And he's like, "I'll make it." <laughs> <laughs> That's an 18 year old attitude. (laughs) He's like, you know, I was tentatively planning on dying, but since you mentioned sex, that's gone out the window. It's like the scene from Indiana Jones where Harrison Ford had the stomach flu. Like, Harry just takes a grenade, hucks it at Azkaban, the whole thing blows up, dementor parts (laughs) flying everywhere. He drags Skinny away over his shoulder, caveman style. Exactly. Lovely. Arthur waves. (laughs) Have fun, dear. So I loved Ooh, I loved exactly. the scene between Hermione and Ron, and she she ends up saying, "Yeah, I'm gonna stay back," and um, and then there's Draco, and he shows up, and you know Sirius starts talking, and everybody's like, "Oh, gasp!" It's Sirius Black. Okay, you're good. Okay, calm down. And then Sirius, I mean Draco, comes out, and he's like, "Give me my wand. Give me leadership. Give me this. Give me that." And I just Did wanted you to just take him. Sure, I'm in that scene though. Yeah. I can just see that it's Tom Felton. I see, but I can just see that scene. And I love how he keeps yelling at Eloise. Write this down. They just did yes. this. My <laughs> mother is innocent. Yeah, he's obsessed with his mo- mother. And I love that they keep bringing in Snape references. Like Harry well, I goes, would have a field day. Oh, yeah, it would just be hilarious. Yeah, a little Oedipal there. Yeah, but they do. They keep bringing in little S- Snape quotes. He sounded like Snape. You know, like he's not a character in the story, but he is because they keep quoting him and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I like that. Okay, anyway, so you they would. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm sorry. Well, they they I give everybody this plan. And oh my gosh, does this plan sound appalling and ridiculous and suicidal? They're going to make a dome and everyone's going to get trapped inside and they're going to have to well, they're, they're inside with the Dementors. They want everyone. Anyway, exactly. Well, they want everyone to get around the edge of the outside, so that when people shoot the curse, it goes to the other side of the dome, shooting the guy across from him. Like I've thought about this in detail, and it really amuses me that that the plan is so bad, and yet it works, and I it fits so well that I'm just like, okay, it's like they're. Lining them up, they're rounding them up like you would round up cattle, and maybe Jen is the only one that could like possibly get this reference. But what? it's like they're rounding them up like you would round up, round up cattle, you know, and just mm-hmm. like taking taking pot shots at them, you know, just <laughs> yeah, which would be fine because I don't like cows. But um, but so oh. compared to the way this thing actually works out, that was the good plan. We wish we could, like you know. At the end of the day, I bet they all wish they could have been locked in the dome with the Dementors. You know, sort of. <laughs> like it's like that was optimal. Like, and you have to just even wonder, like, is they're flying out there? Okay, we're gonna well, go in a bubble. Could you imagine Draco if he had described this? Okay, picture a big dome. <laughs> 
and you're all going to die. Why does but... you speak up at some point and go, um, <laughs> of the myriad of problems that are existing. I'm not this, thinking. I'm not, you know, whatever. How about, how about no, you crazy <laughs> well, Dutch bastard? I was just, I, they ask, don't they? Serious is like, this is suicidal, and if you, want, if you don't want to do it, we're not going to hold it against you. And, like, yeah, nobody yeah, moves. And I'm like, yeah, yeah the one guy that moves, everybody's going to be like, what an ass. But like, <laughs> Everybody sh- they all shoo them. <laughs> oh, traitor. I love the fact, yeah, it's like, Sirius is like, sounds suicidal. I'm in. Yeah, yeah I know. I love that Sirius is riding the bike. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. What so is ridiculous. with the bike? Oh, my goodness. Okay. It's easier I- to ride. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe easier on his bum. Then, you know, then it really does turn into a flying death trap, like my mother always calls him. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see that guy on that flying well, death it was trap? Great, it was great Here comic relief, flying? too, when, when Draco said something obnoxious and Sirius just revs the engine and completely, like, blacks and he's, like, coughing <laughs> on the yeah. exhaust. <laughs> what? I can't hear you! Can you repeat that, please? What? I thought that was great. So they're, they're, so they're all trapped, in, or, well, they haven't been trapped in the dome yet, but yeah, he uh, hasn't they're, done they're it. getting ready. Oh no, who saw that coming? <laughs> oh my gosh, this is so exciting. I just love this part. So Draco gets up there and like says this thing and like gets in a I I, I don't know. Like he becomes frozen in in time with his arm up and he turns green. And the dome shoots down downward and slices through the wizards that are out in the way. And I don't know if it ever made a circle or if it just, like, kills all the fish. (laughs) 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 I was imagining, like, half, like, whales and half and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) There's a a point when you can be overthinking a story, and I think we just did it. Can you you imagine that fish getting to fish heaven, like... I don't know what happened. I was just always coming out. Has everyone here? I just have to say, has everyone here seen uh, the naked, the first Naked Gun movie? Yeah, it's been uh-huh, a long yeah. time though. All right, remember the scene where um, <laughs> where Leslie Nielsen? It's like the one fine day. Yeah. Leslie Nielsen and is it Priscilla <laughs> Presley are running through the the water and they're just holding hands one fine day. Jenya uh, posted on the forums that Arabella is the type of woman that really knows where all the characters buy their toilet paper and really knows what kind of shampoo they all use. <laughs> I'm picturing Jen and Arabella running through the water holding hands singing one fine day. It's just, <laughs> she, she's like, she would know if the whales got chopped in half. I just I yeah. I, you should ask Arabella that question. And, and I bet Zenya was going, that had never occurred. To, like, I would have, I think I would identify with Zenya more as a writer because like, Jen will ask me a question about the fic that I'm writing that she's reviewing, and I'll go, I don't know. <laughs> don't, don't ask me anything about a, anything I've written, like, more than two weeks ago, because I can't help you. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't, yeah. Well, it's like, it, when it goes here, it was like the fic goes from complete apprehension and anxiousness to horror. It kind of, like, the, the dome comes down, and we think that Fred Weasley has been killed. Like, I seriously thought he had been cut in two. Yeah, I was seriously yeah. dying. And, and you know, that girl, like, gets stuck, struck by the edge, and, like, she plummets to her death, and Harry just, like, watches, and it's awful. It's horrible. What it, I mean, 
It's frightening. Well, yeah, it is because yeah. because really once that dome comes down, you're inside there with them. You don't know mm-hmm. anything more than they do uh, for quite some time, and so it's essentially the dome has come down, and it's like they're they're all they get a head count real quickly to see who made it inside and who isn't right. inside, and then they say, "Well, all right, it's time. Let's let's do this. Let's see if it actually happens." And um, now, do y'all think it battle. was sunny? No, they said it was cloudy and rainy. Because I just wondered when the when the dome came down, did it like block out the light? No, it like, blocked out the rain. I know it was see through, <laughs> but I didn't the know rain if it didn't was make it through, but... or something. No, they said it was a. They said it was like a green color, green so I was assuming it, it, yeah. it cast like a green glow everywhere. Oh, but it, yeah, it stopped the rain, so they said they were at least happy to be dry. Today's final battle is brought to you by Harry Potter Lighting and Effects Company. <laughs> <laughs> hey, was, hey, this is important. I was picturing night for some reason. I was, I was, was too, like big waves of half. You know, well, it, <laughs> I don't I'm know. I'm surprised there wasn't like a storm at sea and a hurricane warning. Yeah, and and them all be drenched the with boat rain. The perfect storm goes by George Clooney's <laughs> yeah. The tsunamis. <laughs> well, Rose I, and, by from Titanic. <laughs> I'll never let go. Um, <laughs> She's like kicking him off the door as hard as she can. <laughs> let go. No. Okay. Well, then we find that Adam is there, and, and for some reason they think Adam is an adult and an auror, even though he must be like the size of a ten-year-old. Like I don't know. And they're like, "Oh my gosh, shock!" But I love how Bill comes in and like he's so parental. I want Bill to adopt him. <laughs> I do. Do y'all? Does anybody else get that? I think the Weasleys already adopted him. So well, yeah, but yeah, he's family. part of that family. But like, he's like the big brother. Yeah, I, 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 I do see that. I just, I just love the, like the moment where it's like you almost forgot about Adam for a little bit. I know. I totally forgot about him. Yeah, it's like it's kind of like the thing that Joe Rowling does, where she kind of leaves you for a couple chapters, and you kind of forget that that thing's is, and you're like. Then you're thinking about it, and you're like, okay, now how does this work into Adam's, you know, arc? Because I thought his arc was kind of over. And you're like, okay, he's got something to prove. He needs to prove to himself that he's not like his parents. Right. And, and right. Then, I mean, and one of the complaints I actually have about this chapter is I, I, I like Adam to this point. I thought the part that, you know, occurs with him later, you know, throwing the ring on is is a little over the top. Um, yeah, I wasn't thrilled with I, I'm I'm I've never a real big Adam fan to begin with. Yeah. But, uh. Yeah, I, I wasn't thrilled with that. He, you know why? In, to anyone who's ever watched Star Trek, Wesley Crusher is like the is, is the character. <laughs> he's, he's, hang on, I can take a shot. Yeah, take a shot. <laughs> he's the boy, he, he's the boy genius who saves the ship in every episode, and the people who've been doing right. this fifty years can't right. figure it out. But the thirteen year old just figured out how the warp engines. Can <laughs> he happen. is a a savant or something. He's a genius. He is. Yeah. Well, you know, but the way I felt about it with Adam is that I really felt like his character had had perfectly arced. Uh, or completed his arc in that chapter when he talked to Bill. I think I thought that yeah. that really was enough. And I didn't, I didn't hate the fact that he ended up being involved in this uh, in the way that he was. But I do remember thinking that it was, it, it didn't have to happen. It wasn't necessary for his character anymore. I think his character had already gotten to that pinnacle, gotten to that moment where we knew what direction he was going to go, or at least we, we knew where we thought he was going to go. I didn't think it was and necessary I, either. Yeah, I thought it actually yeah. added layers to the story you didn't need. Like, the story kind of goes to, you know, they all leave the land, and they go to, you know, Azkaban, they fight for a while, and then they all take, like, a ten-minute break and go back to the land, and then no quick, everyone back to Azkaban, and then, you know, Adam throws the ring on, and they fight some more. Like, it just seemed like there was a way to kind of do that. Well, 
I thought it was important because I thought, and they they end they sum it up at the game where they needed a new hero, and Harry had Harry was done. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and that was so what he I kind didn't of like. I don't know. I like Harry in that role as the hero. I think I might have right. ended up resenting Adam a little bit because of that. Because he took that away. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I didn't yeah. dislike it. I, I just kind of took it in stride, I think. Well, I and we'll get to this a little bit later. I never even saw that at the end as Harry being replaced as the hero. I think he's Harry Potter and he'll always be the boy who lived and the boy right. who saved the world. I just think that, you know, for one moment, he wasn't the most popular guy in the room and for him that was new. But well, yeah. and that was lovely and appreciated and wanted. Yeah, I think there could have been, if, if you're going to have Adam in the scene, I think there could have been some way to do it that was less... Um, you know what, it, it, it was over the top, and this is the complaint I had back at the Death of Dumbledore, you know, you, you can do this scene without sending him to Long Island. I mean, there's way, there's smaller, low-key ways of doing it. And I think yes. if you did something where if, if, if Bill was, you know, screaming at Adam, why are you here? And Adam said something like, you know, I need to prove to myself who I am, or I, even, like, that's an awful Yeah, but he's ten. Yeah, I mean, don't let him say that. I mean, something like, you know, have him say, like, I'm not a writer, someone else. Or I guess he's, what, 13? Never mind. Yeah, you're like, he's four. What? But, yeah, whatever. Have him, have him do something. But, you know, he doesn't have to put the ring on and become, like, you know, like Gollum all of a sudden. I mean, there's ways. Yeah. Well, I liked it because it allowed them to show that not all dark magic has to be used as such. I took it as when he did the spell and it turned out differently than what Draco, that it can be wielded for good. And that was important. What if Sirius put the ring on and absorbed the pain of putting it on because he needed to physically end the Dementors? Well, if it was something that... I don't think he's stupid, though. I mean, that just would be stupid to me. More stupid than Sirius would be. No, no. More stupid than swimming out to Azkaban to take down the Dementors? No. (laughs) He's not the sharpest crayon in the box. (laughs) Because that could have come across as, like, self, you know, self-hurting and... It could be taken so so easily differently, I think. Like, he felt that he needed to be punished for something, or he was, that was guilt, or, you know, I don't, I don't know. It could, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I have to, I don't disagree with what y'all are saying, but I, I think that I actually like the story, the, the Adam part here. I, I really think that it's nice, and I thought it was a good thing with Harry, you know, it allowed Harry to have a different perspective and us to look well, at Harry a little bit differently. Yeah. I think that what I, I'm trying, I'm going to agree with Brian because I think that, and surprise, surprise, I'm making new criticism, but whatever. Um, I think that this is just, it's a little too contrived. You know, it's a little too, um, I, it's like they were writing the scene and they had written it and, you know, it had, it, was going well, and, you know, they got into this point, and they were kind of like a, now we really need to hit the readers emotionally hard with a big point in capital letters, you know, big point. And um, it, it was a little too, um, it was a little bit much like they were hitting us over the head with a sledgehammer. Yeah. When so much of this fic was about subtlety. And, um, yeah, that's a good, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah. look at, like, the other scenes. Like, I think one of the, 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 the finest moments of the entire Think is the point where you know they're in the they're in the dome of death or the cone of silence or whatever we're calling it now, and you know Harry and Ginny are up in the super dome. Yeah, they're in the super dome, 
and the Dementors are coming up to them, and they can't even form Patronuses anymore, and they're and they're and they're dying, and they're beating, and they're, they're, that's it. That's this is how it's all going to end. And Harry, you know, grabs Ginny's broom and pulls her behind him because if if they're both going to die, he's going to go first, just like James did. And it's just it's like one of the most powerful moments I think in the entire Aww. fic. And it, yeah. you know, it, that's what the story is about. You know, it's the little things. If if we're going to go, I'm going to go first. That's the least I can do. And, you know, on top of it, so when you look at, you know, a scene like that, and then you look at the scene where, you know, Adam comes out of nowhere and throws the ring on, the ring of power, and completely changes the heavens, it just seems like so, it's like what we talked about before, it's so loud next to something so quiet, and it just, yeah, it's, Voldemort's a banish to the end of the world. This is probably the loudest chapter in the book, though. Overall, I mean, like, just 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 everything that's happening. This is this is the fantastic. This is a very melodramatic, you know, chapter. Yeah, it's very visual. You know, and just just for example, the visual. I I didn't want to pass this up. Uh, I definitely wanted to talk about it. The visual of one of the the first Dementor that Harry sees after he curses it and watches it explode, basically. Oh, Uh, like the. It, it like turns inside out the way that it's, yeah. it's a uh, mouth gapes and open and just, thinks. yeah. And just everything about that is just so visual and so uh, brilliantly written. Which yeah. I mean, is, it is, it's gross. All these characters having all these good guys screaming Nevada cadaver all over the place. I thought that even was kind of chilling just to, to hear oh, yeah. that. Well, and I really, yeah, I really liked the very gladiator esque moment at the very beginning when Harry is just sort of, in shock watching what's going on and yeah. and I thought I don't know if any of you've seen the gladiator movie um yes. Russell but Clark, you know Russell a skirt who could miss it yeah that's true <laughs> but you know like where he it's everything just suddenly starts going in real slow motion and he's acknowledging that things are happening but he's in shock about it and he can't quite comprehend it yet yeah. he can't quite comprehend it and I just really liked that Ron was the one that had trouble saying the killing curse and that Jenny could say it so easily. You know, she did what she had to do and she's the one being affected by all the souls and everything. But Ron can't do, can't do the killing curse until his, until Harry needs him to, you know what I mean? He couldn't just gather up that hatred. He had to do it protecting somebody. You know, what's great about this scene in so much of this fic, we've gone everyone else's perspective. We got, We've got Hermione's, we've got Jenny's, we've got Sirius's, we've got Ron's. And that's something new for a Harry Potter book. Usually we only know what Harry knows, and we have to kind of guess through Harry's impressions what kind of everyone else is thinking. This is the scene where we're back in Harry's perspective, where we're not usually accustomed to in this fic. And based on everything we know about these characters, we get to watch them deal with situations without hearing it from their voices. So you see Ron, you know, not able to use a Vagadavra, and we know it's because he's the only one who's used it before, and he killed Bellatrix. Mm-hmm. Right. And that, like, took a piece of him to do that, so he can't bring himself to do it again until it's life or death and someone needs him, and then he can find the strength to do it. And I just thought that was great. We, we're not getting that from Ron's perspective, but we know what he's going through, and we know what exactly. Ginny's going through, and we know what you know, Hermione's going through, you know, being left behind. And we, we, we get it without having to be in these characters' shoes. I think that was very important. Well, I thought one of the scariest moments were when uh, Harry and Jin I mean, Harry and Ron see the Dementor that's right next to Ginny, and they go and they just automatically kill it. And it was so close to Ginny. 
and yeah. he realizes that he just saw shot this curse that could kill her. He just shot it. He didn't even think. He just did it, and he it could have so easily killed him. It killed her, and I can't even imagine what he would do if that if he killed her. Um, but but I love that when things start to go to hell. I mean, really, and and y'all were mentioning all ago about Harry getting in front of Jenny, which I love. I do love that he he makes yeah. that realization that that's what love is. It's it's being first, you know, to die and and doing it for her. But I love that while everything is really horrible, Ron is just begging Hermione to do something for help. And I I can't help but think how awful would it be for Hermione. To if hear, she could hear this and do nothing, please, please. I know. And and what if she couldn't have done anything? And to to hear it, I mean, the communication charm was brilliant. I think, and it's horrible. Well, think about it too. That you know, from what I was just saying a minute ago, you know, this isn't from Ron's perspective, but we know how Ron and Hermione operate. We know that Hermione gets her strength from Ron. She can't think of solutions herself. Ron gives her inspiration. She takes, you know, the words that Ron says without knowing what they mean, and she pulls from them. And, you know, you have Ron, you know, he, he's probably freezing cold. He's, you know, surrounded by dementors. He's watching his entire his, – his brother could be dead. He doesn't know what's happening. And, you know, he's, he's dealing with his own personal demons. You know, he, he's having a fire the killing curse, which traumatized him the last time he used it. And he's on – you know, he's trying to talk to Hermione, hoping she can hear him. And he's bucking her up. Hermione, I know you can do it. You're the only one who can do it. you got to help us. We know you can do this. You're going to do it. You're going to be fine. And he's, like, giving – he's sending her emotional support, which I just – you know, because he gets that that's what she needs. And, and the, the, you, you don't hear him thinking that. You just know that's what he's doing because that's what he's always done. I looked back yeah. over this chapter today just uh, when I knew that we were going to do this. And how cool is it that they got the Ginny's patroness? Is a phoenix. phoenix. Patr- is yeah. a phoenix. I thought yeah. that was cool, but I didn't understand it. Is it really a phoenix in the canon? Well, that's what they're saying is in the new movie, yeah, in and the that movie. they wouldn't have done that without J.K.R.'s approval. Oh, wow. I thought it was interesting, yeah. But it makes sense, though, because the, the Phoenix was an integral part of the, the Chamber of Secrets. Mm-hmm. Right. Down. right. When Harry came and saved her, and, you know, I, it does, it, it's, one, it's got great symbols of it. I mean... It's a great link to canon, and if there's one thing that Arabella and Cindy, well, there's a lot of things Cindy, well, but if there's one thing that they do well, particularly in choosing this, is that they they constantly pull from what they knew about canon at the time, and right. they extrapolate. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, what, they did wonderful. They, they great insight. Yeah, exactly. They kind of extrapolate things that you know, even if they aren't canon now, and a disturbing amount of it is canon now, but it. If even if it's not canon now, it's logical at that point in the canon. Before we knew X, Y, and Z, all these things would have been a logical thought process. Mm-hmm. So I, you can definitely tell there was a lot of dialogue going on about right. canon while they were writing the story, which right. is part of the reason why I like this fix so much because everybody knows how much <laughs> I like canon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, everything is 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 just horrible here and everybody's about to die and and ron is screeching at hermione to fix fix it fix it we're all gonna die and i know that melinda said well ago that they say so much with even just at like a fragment and they say the word light 
They go, I'm going to actually read this quote. It goes, Harry's eyes fell shut. He felt bony fingers clutch his face. Um, he felt his chin being tilted up, felt a cold sucking sensation near the corner of his mouth and knew that it was over light. Like suddenly there was light and I, and, and one word and we all know they're saved. Hermione, you're a genius. And I love it. I love it. And I thought the idea was very cool. I have to, I have to admit Hermione turning the, the dome into a, a Patronus was awesome. I was yeah. just like, yeah, yeah, awesome. Yeah. So, yeah I liked it. It, it. Yeah, the, the dome turned silver, and it pushed them all back, and, and yeah, it was just Did they turn the dome into a Patronus, or did everyone on land conjure Patronuses and use this, like, one forceful Patronus? I, I wasn't yes sure. and yes, yeah, basically. I mean, yes. They, they took they took all the Patronuses, Patroni. down there. And, yeah, Patroni. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Patroni. And they, uh, uh, yeah, they, they all focused at the same time. And actually, I think Penelope had a hand in that as well. Um, yeah, she later had, on she's we, the one who had the idea, isn't she? Yeah, yeah, it was her idea originally. And, and then I, between she and Hermione, they, they kind of made it work. But yeah, that was a great way. Because the one thing that we didn't talk about was the fact that the Dementors started flying, which was was what made that scene just that much more terrifying. Because yeah. uh, Ron mm-hmm. even said, if, if we don't have the advantage of height, we're we're doomed here. We've got We've got nothing. And so... It was it was really terrifying. I mean, I, honestly, in reading this chapter, deep, deep, deep within me, I knew they were probably going to make it out of this. But I'll tell you, when I was reading it, I'm thinking, "Wow, this is this is not good. Something's got to happen, and it's got to happen fast." And then, just like uh, Jen said, light, you know, and and finding out later what had happened, it was just it was so cool. I'm yeah. just like thinking about it now. I'm like, I'm like all quiet. I'm thinking about this. <laughs> like, wow. And, and then there was just silence. And there was light. I'm just surprised. I don't know. I'm surprised you guys liked it as much as you did. <laughs> really? Really? Yeah. You didn't like it? I thought it was very cool. I'm uh, I'm not a big fan, but well, and it gave hope. <laughs> like the Patronus. I mean, okay, I like the end happen. of it. I like the end of it. It's just all the stuff leading up to it is so heavy and so melodramatic. I guess I guess final well, battles have leading to leave, up. But yeah, I'm like the whole thing has been leading up to this chapter. Yeah, you have to have something epic. You can't have you know 42 chapters of all of this, all right. of this, all of this, and then and have then them like, realize that easy. No, that right. would. Yeah, and then have them I, realize that the Jersey barriers actually would have worked because they can't fly yeah. over two feet. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean there has to be some, saying, something to lose. I'm not saying that the scale wasn't right. It's just that I don't, I don't know. I have such a hard time. I guess it, it, you know what? I'm just going to chalk this up to a personal fault with me, and because <laughs> um, there's there's nothing honestly I can criticize about it other than it doesn't hold my attention for very long. But I kind of like right. I kind of skip through all the action to just get to the good part. Yeah. Oh, I thought the action was the yeah, good part. Like the action in this one. Yeah, I was I was riveted by this chapter. I really was. Yeah. Uh, I remember because this was another one of those ones we had to wait a very very long time for this chapter. Yes. Because I mean, you obviously it, it. You know what? That may be part of the reason why I don't I I have ambivalent feelings about it was because it was so long in coming. I, maybe that's. Maybe that's it. You think that, like, nothing like, could have satisfied you after Nothing could have satisfied me well, at that point. Just, then, I mean, it's different when you read a fic, like, as it's a WIP, and when you go back and you read it when it's finished. Like, I don't know how many, if you'll agree with me or not, but, like, your first impressions are always going to color the fic. At least for me. Well, I think that's true of anything, I think that's true of anything you read at all. I mean, the first impressions you get are the ones that usually stick with you. I, I've... I haven't changed my mind a lot in reading and rereading 
stories, you know, regardless of, of fanfic or, uh, or, or books, you know, I, I tend to, to, to have the first impression be the one that sort of sticks with you. Yeah. Well, I like, I, I like this, the part of the story where they're, they, the Hermione just did the thing and everybody's, um, starting to kill them again. And Sirius is just like gleeful. Like he's like smiling and I'm just like serious, seriously, (laughs) seriously, serious. You just almost died like three minutes ago and he's like smiling, but I'm smiling too. You would go with a British accent. Like what? You, you almost just died three minutes ago. You sounded like Cho Chang from Bubble. Oh, like three minutes ago. Oh, sorry. I told I him I go. Three minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. You're so. a great wizard, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to sound British. I don't know. Maybe maybe in some words we sound British. That'd be great, that Jen with a British accent. <laughs> that would, yeah, It's dreadful, I tell you. Um, <laughs> but then, you know, they finally kill them all, and... I think Sirius says, oh my god, they're dead, Arthur. And he is just, like, he thinks that Fred is dead! And I'm like, oh! And he goes, yes, it would appear so. And I'm just, to me, that line was so tragic. Who likes... I I thought the the line, it it would appear so, was about the Dementors. It wasn't about Fred. No, Arthur's just thinking about Fred. I mean... This is it. You know, everything, oh, they've I see been what fighting, yeah, everything they've been fighting for since, you know, the end of the war is now solved. And all Arthur can think of is, yeah, yeah, it's over. And and it, you can't feel any glee for it because of what it just cost you. And I just have to say, I, I love Arthur, you know, in this scene. You know, they go up to get Draco and, you know, re- removing Draco, you know, from his little perch up there. It, you know, it you have them falling to the ground and, you know, Arthur, you know, is nearly killed doing it and Harry's hanging on and Arthur's hanging on and they barely stop in time and that could have been it. They could have been killed right there. And I love that Harry makes the connection that Lucius Malfoy nearly killed, you know, Ginny. You know, Lucius Malfoy nearly killed Weasley's, you know, Arthur, you know, his family and Arthur nearly died to save Lucius's son. And was treating him like his own son. Like he was cradling Draco, you know, talking to him like he was his own child. Come on, young man, let's get you back. And you couldn't even tell that Arthur had been through what he had been through. And when you think of these characters, you know, in this fic, you know, especially when you think of, you know, we were talking about Ron and how Ron was one of the first to kind of put the war and everything aside. You know, Arthur, you know, has been through so much, and Arthur is the first to forgive and forget. Well, not forget, but he's the first to forgive. Right. Yeah. What do you think of Harry instinctively going to try to save Malfoy uh, after he falls off his broom when it's when it's all over, and the uh, the, the the light goes back into the ring, and then they it, they say that Malfoy just sort of lulls on his broom for a second and then falls. And Harry, I'm not sure. If, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm wondering if he had a chance to think about it, if he, he would have still done it. But he, yeah, he just instinctively just shot like a like a rocket. Over to try and save uh, save Malfoy. He he didn't end up being the one that caught him, but uh, it's you know he as soon as he realizes that it was real, it says he sprang into action. He bent double over his broom and urged it forward. Perhaps he hated Malfoy, but he didn't want to watch him die. So well, I, was, I mean, it's interesting. I'm, he's done that before because Draco's gone off the dragon before, and Harry's thought about it and said, I should leave him, but he goes and gets him anyway. So it's actually a little bit of character growth on, you know, Harry. He doesn't think he's long about letting Draco die. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He just he just saves him. Well, it wouldn't have been Harry 
if he'd have let him die. Yeah. He that, been, no, he exactly. Been yeah. And the dark side yeah. really has one. Dum, dum, dum. That would have been See, great I if, can, if can, Harry's can, riding down in this broom. He's like, damn, my saving people complex. <laughs> what if well, he just, then, what if he just made it look good Harry, like he really tried? <laughs> he would feel guilty either way. If he didn't be able to save him, he'd feel guilty for not saving him. And then now he's going to feel guilty. Oh, what did I save him for? You know, he just can't mm-hmm. win. Charlie, like after it, they think it's over and Charlie goes into the Azkaban and Cho's like, get out of there. And she the wants to use the peeping charm to see if there are any, um, yeah. any Dementors left. And he says, no, he just goes into the prison. Yeah. And then there are more left. And I, I don't know. And we've talked about, you know, Adam coming back in to save the day. I'm, I refer to him as Wesley Crusher in this chapter. I hope nobody yeah. minds. But, you know, what, what's important about this chapter, and this is what we, we've been looking for for the entire fic, you know, each of these characters came out of the final battle, you know, a, a psychological mess. And you have, you know, Sirius being told, you know, he can start the honors to, you know, destroy Azkaban if he's up to it. And this is what he was dreaming about for years. He knows he's been fantasizing about destroying Azkaban. He starts, you know, the, the, the spell, which is one step below an unforgivable curse. And, you know, just the visual, you know, all the characters present, you know, they bring, you know, Hermione, they bring Ginny, everyone is present. And it almost reminds me of like watching like 4th of July fireworks with family. They're just like sitting mm-hmm. there and they're flying there and they watch Azkaban come apart and they watch, you know, like the sinkhole and they watch Azkaban be swallowed up by the ocean until it's no longer there anymore. And it's the, it's one of the best visual representations of healing that I, I could possibly you know imagine them using. I have no complaints about it. I think it was perfect. It's and unreal. It's it's unreal. As Azkaban goes down, you know, serious you know Azkaban represents, you know, Harry not able to deal with things. You know, serious and everything he's been putting off in his life because he's been so obsessed. It just represents all the pain and the anguish, you know, that came with the war that these guys haven't been able to deal with and they've conquered it. And they are able to sit back, and there's nothing left, and they're just sitting quietly by the sea, and you probably have, like, you know, the waves, you know, going against the rocks, and it's over. And it's interesting, you know, I love the fact that we also get, you know, the rest of this chapter and two more chapters to, you know, to to really sit on that and consider that, because they have been so... You know, talk about after the end of the end. These guys have been putting everything off in their lives because... oh can't deal with that now. We have to go to Azkaban. We, we need to, you know, save the world from Dementors. Okay, now the world's safe from Dementors. Go home. What do you do? And this is what they were supposed to be doing last June. These are the conversations they were supposed to be having last June that they never got to have because they had to rush off and save the world. Now the world is safe. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's... it's yeah. There's not much you get to into, say. I mean, yeah, no, it's, it's no. starting all over again, only I think at this point they're they're better at, able to handle their recovery. Well, they're they really weren't, ready to. They yeah. weren't ready right after the war, but now they really right. are. Well, you know, yeah. and I think that's kind of the mistake of a lot of, of us who write fanfiction is to assume that, you know, Harry and Jenny, right after the war, they're going to rush back to each other's arms and, you know, everything's going to be hunky-dory and, you know, Ron and Hermione are going to settle down and have 17 kids right away. And, you know... We don't process it. There has to be time for people to adjust, you know. Or, or well, I don't. To... I don't think canon is going to give us the adjustment time either, though. No, no, probably no, not. But not. Joe Rowling's not the best writer. But I mean, she also 
you know, maybe she'll give us that in a separate series, costume makers. You know, Yay. maybe, you know, maybe she'll, maybe she'll take the time to explain to us what happens after the Harry Potter series, but I don't know why she would. She's got more money than God. Um, yeah, Melinda, what do you actually think about that? Because I'm actually just thinking about it, um, especially with uh, Curse of the Damned. I noticed you gave more time than most writers probably would, even Arabella and Jenny. You gave more time for the after. You know, after the end of the end, you gave more time for that. Oh, the aftermath. Oh, and you haven't even read the seventh Horcrux. I do even longer. Yeah, because that's my favorite part of of a battle is the aftermath. I want I want to yeah. know how mm-hmm. everyone copes with everything. Mm-hmm. So I I, yeah. I I hope that that epilogue that she promised. I hope it'll give us some of that. I really do. I really not, hope it's I hope it's not like the Lifetime original movie where at the end you you have like the little screen caps. You know, this guy went on to you know be a U.S. congressman. <laughs> this guy you know eventually got pardoned. And you know, I just hope it's a little more in depth than that. I have a, I have this weird feeling we're in for like three pages. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I, just I worry about know. that. Yeah, and I I hope like I want not the, the the book to end on that final battle either. I want the the hospital wing after and the reaction, you know, that's what I want. I don't know that we'll get it, but yeah. probably not. But that's what I want. Well, that's why I love this story so much. That's that's what's yeah. so great about it after the end. I mean, it's it's after the end. That's It's uh, it's not just a clever name. Yeah, and think about what happened with, you know, okay, so now, you know, the war's over. You know, we won again. And Fred lived, and he's still cracking jokes. And, you know, Draco, of course, probably wants to sue Arthur, you know, even though Arthur just saved his life, and we all get that. And, you know, I love the part where and Harry from, clings to Mrs. Weasley. I love that part. Oh, yeah. I just love oh the part, I just so love the part where, where Hermione flies out and she's all wet. And Ron's like, did you fall in? And she's like, yeah, I did. <laughs> oh, that is the best part. Yes. And, and Harry almost wants to laugh, but Ron doesn't, you know, he just takes control of the situation and does yeah. what needs to be done. The manly thing. Oh, my husband would have laughed his ass off. <laughs> and I'm sure in years to come, when they're in their rocking chairs, that that'll be a great story oh, to laugh yeah. over. But at that moment, going to get teased about that for oh, years yeah. on end. But but at that moment, it was more important that that he just went and helped her. I like that a lot. Yes, so. Hermione. She just like helped to create this like spell that saved everybody's <laughs> lives so- and allowed for the to complete to few of the Dementors. And they're like, <laughs> you fell in the water. <laughs> <laughs> that should have been in the Remember When. That'll be the next yeah, Remember key. When. Remember when you fell in the water. <laughs> so we made it. We we survived. We got through the battle. What's next? Harry closed hey. his eyes and closed the curtain call. I liked this next scene where we wake up the next morning and Ginny is is happy, you know, thinking about everything's being over. But then she gets a a sense of from Harry that he's not as happy, and he's we finally finally have Harry coming apart. Oh. I'm going to start crying right now. Okay. It's, it's, it's gut-wrenching. I, I want to say that... Chief, like, please, please, I can't... Don't... You have to say only good things. This thing... <laughs> we, we've learned that when you I say, can cry. I just say that we're, we're in trouble. I will cry if you say something negative about this scene. I love... I'm not going to say... Love I am scene. not made of stone. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Thank you for naming the episode. <laughs> what you did I just? Hit you. What? What are you? What are you gonna name the episode now? Okay. I am not made of stone. When you break okay, me, I sense. bleed. Okay. Um. <laughs> no, I. It's just you know. It's just that I feel like you know everything in the. 
Alright, whatever. I won't justify myself. I'll just... No, T, I'm, I'm sorry. I love you. And you. I love all of your opinions. I just... This scene... Even the is, ones that make me cry. This scene hurts my heart and, and it is. perfect, and I love it. Scene. It is. And I love how he, he doesn't quite look at her when he starts to talk, finally starts to talk. And she doesn't yeah. push it because she knows. Yes, yeah, she does. She knows not to push him. And she can she sense just... the wall coming up around him, and she knows just how to stop it from, from pushing too far, and she knows how to heal him. And as I, I know you want to talk about this, Jen. This is the first time she was really able to heal Harry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really, truly <laughs> healing. And I, I, there was one line in it I remember that um, she got a little panicky thinking, oh my God, what's going to happen if Harry really cries? And then. She 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 does her sensing thing, and she realized it would be the first time that he had ever come apart like this. And somehow that struck me as so sad that in all those years and all the canon and all the things that have happened, that he just never let himself, you know, go to bed and have a good cry. That killed me. Mm-hmm. It's awful. The other thing I could think of is, you know, I, I thought he actually cried the first time he said, "I love you." That, that was just he my, didn't really cry. They just said cry. that he he had gotten very you know choked, choked up, but he didn't really like cry, like lose it. No, this is just completely until this moment. And you know what? One of the things that that was really impactful to me is when when Ginny was sort of sensing what was going on in his brain, and she said that she could tell that he felt he deserved this pain. Yeah. That he that it was his duty to live the rest of his life with it. And, you know, that just made it that much more gut-wrenching. Oh, gosh. And when she asks, when she asks what else is your fault, I was like, oh, my gosh. That one hurt. And one of his answers is Percy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, how do you, you know. He's so guilty of everything. Yeah. And it's like, you know, and you you can even easily see his mindset. You know, if if Cedric died, the least I can do is feel miserable the rest of my life. Yeah. Like, like that's something that, that, you know, Cedric would actually have wanted me to do. Reading about Hagrid was hard. Yeah, it was. It's but, so but I will say hard. that we we had been waiting for so long. We had known from I I think it was probably chapter one that prologue. Hagrid was dead. It's the prologue, or was it the prologue? Yeah, yeah. It's we had first, known that he had died. One that you know, yeah. And I remember I, I compiled after um, after they posted. I think I think it was after they posted um, the Prisoners of Azkaban. After they posted chapter forty two, I got on the Yahoo group and I posted like. 10 different questions that I still had about the fic and, and was wondering, do you think these questions will be answered? And of course the number one question I think was what happened to Hagrid? Uh, we never knew. We knew he was dead. We knew that Harry blamed himself for Hagrid's death, but we never found out until this moment exactly what had happened. And, and Harry's was, uh, description of that, of having to choose almost between Hagrid and Ron, it was yeah. just gut wrenching. Oh, it was, it was, it was, yeah, yeah. And and the guilt that he felt from that, knowing that, it, you know, if he had stayed, he probably would have died too, or Ron and Hermione would have died, you know. But he left, and Hagrid died, and he's and he just blames himself. And it's not just that he blames himself; it's like I said, he he feels like it's his duty to have that guilt forever, to never let it go because it's it's his it's it's his burden to bear. Yeah, and you know there's no way out of this. There's no, like, one... This isn't like, you know, you backed over the person with the car because you didn't look. If he didn't go after Ron and went to Hagrid, Hagrid wouldn't have let him leave, and Ron would have died, and Hagrid would have lived, and you'd be having this conversation because Ron was dead, and you feel guilty about that. 
Mm-hmm. There's no. Way. There was no win yeah, for him, for Harry. No win at and all. And there never is. And that's who Harry is. He's in the no win situation, and, he, and it just sucks. And you just got to go on with it. And he needs to let that go. And I think it's one of the classic arguments. Do you blame? Well, he will blame themselves. Do you blame the person who was negligent, or do you blame the person who actually did the thing? I mean, you see this all all the time with terrorism. Do we blame you know the people who don't? do their jobs well, or do you blame the people who actually commit the acts you know, in the first place? I mean, it's, it's one of those questions that's not easy to answer, and I think everyone has a different opinion on it, but, you know, when you look back at it, you know, Harry, you know, the, the only one you can kind of make an argument on would be, you know, Pettigrew. He let Pettigrew live, and as a result of Pettigrew living, Percy died. And as a result of Pettigrew living, you know, all these other things happened. On the other hand, because Pettigrew lived, he was able to redeem himself at the end a little bit, and because of the fact that he was able to do that, they got this information that may have saved every student at Hogwarts. So you don't right. know. I mean, Percy Percy may have lived, but, you know, hundreds of children could have been killed. I mean, there's, there's no way one person who is 18 years old can, you know, say with any certainty, I did this and all these terrible things happened, because you just don't know. Um, I was just going to talk about just stuff, but... Gee. Um, <laughs> gee, I'm sorry. Um, I... Well, it's, it made me cry, and then everybody else just thought I was going to diss it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're sorry, G. <laughs> it was um, the most meaningful thing I ever read, and you all yelled at me, and I don't want to talk about it. Well, it's not, no, it's not the most meaningful thing I've ever read, for Christ's sakes. It's right. fan fiction. Okay. Um, I fan fiction that- real. Okay, sweetie. We can have a conversation there. <laughs> I write it and I don't think it's okay. Um, but I was, I, there's just so much good pacing in this, this, this story. You know, it, in this scene in particular with Harry, you know, you have to be careful with Harry because you almost, you have to treat him like you've got kid gloves on sometimes because if you write him, you know, too melodramatic, then he's annoying. And if you don't write him melodramatic, and uh, you write, you don't acknowledge that there is drama in his life, and he has to deal with it, then you're missing the point. And I think that, you know, the way the nat- just this flow of dialogue is so very natural. It's like, you know, the just the rhythm of it is so perfect. Like we have, you know, Harry always talks. For a while. And then Jenny says something very simply. And then he goes on. Because he's not really needing Jenny to make great, insightful comments. He's just needing Jenny to be there. And so I think that was a very wise decision on their part. You know, Jenny never goes off and pontificates about... You know, how Harry's got a stupid hero complex and how he shouldn't be feeling these emotions like a lesser writer might. Jenny is just acknowledging that he has them and he has to deal with them and he hasn't dealt with them. And so now is the time. And she understands that it's almost like she's siphoning that poison out of him by letting him him be the one to talk. Because it wouldn't have the same impact if it wasn't finally Harry expelling all this. Yeah. Yeah. Right. He's ready now to do this. It's It's the ultimate empathy. I mean, it really is. It's just literally s- sitting with him, somebody that she, she loves, and saying, I understand. You know, she's not trying necessarily to say, oh, it'll be okay. Um, you know, because it won't be okay, and she knows that. 
uh, it's going to take time. And so all she does is convey to him, I understand. And that is, is more impactful. Than, I am here. Because, yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's the story of Jenny and Harry's relationship, is that yep. constant re- re- reaffirmation. See, I have, Brian has trouble with juxtaposition, and I have trouble with reaffirmation. <laughs> Reaffirm, it's that constant reaffirmation of the, they're both physically and mentally there. You know, because for so long they weren't. And Carrie is not used to having anybody to lean on, and Jenny is not used to having anybody to lean on. And, you know, that's I, there's just so much good stuff here. <laughs> I could talk forever. But um, I did want to mention that Arabella and Zinnia are the only ones who have ever made me manage to like Hagrid. So, them. Well, I like the way they describe Hagrid, too. He becomes, like, Harry's bodyguard. I like a picture of, like, Tony Soprano with, like, the on <laughs> With the arms crossed, where are you going? Hagrid's going to make you an offer you can't refuse. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, I lo- and I love the description, too. Like, Hagrid loved you. Hagrid would die for you. And, like, think about Hagrid. Hagrid's the first person Harry ever met. Hagrid took him away from the Dursleys. Hagrid is so much more important than I think you remember in canon. Yeah, mm-hmm. he, he becomes yeah. you know the guy. Yeah. Ha- yeah, they go and have tea with him, and you know he feels bad because they all dropped his class. But he's the guy who literally rescued before Ron and Hermione were even, you know, thoughts in Joe Rowling's eyes. You have Hagrid there to save him from the Dursleys, and Hagrid, and I think that's why he gave took- him his first pet. He gave him his first birthday card. All yeah. of Harry's first were there with Hagrid. Yeah, yeah, and you know, chap, we're at chapter forty-two now, and we're finally dealing with the death of Hagrid because it's some, it's it's the last thing to go before the dam breaks. You you just can't mm-hmm. get past the fact that. You you know, of all these things that happened, you know, I killed Hagrid, and that's what Harry's been sitting on. Yeah, yeah. Because Hagrid was the first person to ever, yeah. he, and Harry says it, Hagrid was the first person that ever cared about me. The first person that I ever knew that cared about me. Right. And, and that's, that's, that and makes it, that makes it special beyond, beyond any, you know, in, in some ways beyond even what he has with Ginny. You know, because he left there's a, him there to die. Well, it yeah. touched, you know, it he touched, had to choose Ron. It was awful. Well, here's the thing, and this is what touched me about the scene too. It's like you know, my dad passed away a few years ago, and it was one of those things where he was sick at the end, and he essentially had to, you know, he was on a respirator at the end. And one of the things I always wondered was, did he know how bad it was? Did he know, you know, that you know before he, you know, was put under, you know, that this could be it? And I always, you know, it took me a while to deal with the fact I didn't know what he knew, so I didn't know if he knew that this could happen. I don't know if he thought he was just going to sleep and would see us soon. I, I didn't know what he knew. And after a while, I kind of realized that's not the point. The point is, you know, if you could have asked him five years ago when he was in great health, hey, if this ever happened, what would you want? I mean, that's the important question to ask. Right. You know, w- with Hagrid, you know, he doesn't know. Did Hagrid know, you know, I, I didn't not tell him because I was trying to be a jerk and trying to slip him. I did this because I thought, you know, I was saving Ron. You know, and he's dealing with, you know, Hagrid at the end bursts into the room and covers them with him and says to Ron and I'll hold them off. And he, he never knew if Hagrid was pissed at him and he never knew, you know, what he never got to say goodbye to Hagrid. And yeah. he never got to right. deal with this. And, you know, that touched me because it's one of the things I dealt with, you know, Harry. You know, if Hag- if Harry could have walked up to Hagrid, you know, in the middle of fourth year and sat down and said, look, what's going to happen is Ron's going to be in trouble and I'm going to go and save him and I'm going to nearly be killed and you're going to jump in there at the last minute and you're going to save me and you're going to die. Would you be okay with that? What do you think? And I think Hagrid would have said, I'd do anything for you. And I think that's yeah. what's, I think that's what's important. And that's the thing that Harry just can't wrap his arms around. And I think he really needs Ginny just for that. Yeah. Well, when he just loses himself there, and, and and they write, he had come apart. He was beyond himself. I think that is just two of the most 
awesome angsty lines ever written. Yeah, and they're just short little punches. Boom, boom. And it just gets you. Oh. And then Harry gets turned on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you say you say fast. Come on. I get turned on, right? They just go together. <laughs> he realizes, is that leg? Yeah, like, is that a leg? I'm what's she wearing? Bikinis. I mean, what's she not wearing? <laughs> Can we just like say that in the same chapter we have, you know, Adam on the broom summoning the power of the dark side, and then we have him crying hysterically five minutes later because <laughs> Tiger died, and then he's like, ooh, skin. <laughs> like, it's just like, <laughs> it's like Ryan's neck hurts from the whiplash. I thought we just said that the pacing was perfect. <laughs> it is perfect. Well, it's like the last chapter. I trust you with my yeah. life, Harry. Feels for underwear, feels for underwear, finds underwear, smiles. <laughs> I trust you with my life. I just don't trust you with my clothes. Yeah. So I think well, it's time for Hermione. I think, for a woman. I think it's time for Hermione <laughs> to pop in, don't you think? Yeah. Yep. She oh, shows yeah. up. Leave it to Hermione to interrupt them again. Got a heart on. Yeah. Hermione. Then uh, <laughs> Hermione pops downstairs to get out of the way. Feels faint, and Remus catches her. It's like you know the stereotypes yeah. about. She just breaks into Remus's I love how they plan to have sex at six. Yeah, six o'clock. I know, and and the line, the line in there is great. It says something. They they both realize that something very profound had been planned, very rather casually. You know, they. I love that. My question was, when do they eat dinner? <laughs> um, You're such a. Man. I think they went out for a burger after. Well, no, it's like, isn't that when they all eat? Like, do they eat together? It's like okay, like you couldn't say like maybe eight. Maybe they're going to incorporate food. I don't know. Oh, my God. Jimmy oh. <laughs> had that whole little thing set up out there. And there was a picnic basket. Just imagine it somewhere. Right. And Harry, right. And Harry doesn't know what to do, so he goes to, like, Arthur's office, and he tries to disassemble <laughs> the dragon tents. And, like, I think he goes grocery shopping. Like, he doesn't know what to do. I just love that yeah. of all the places to go, he's going to go to the father of the Your girl father. he's planning to have sex with and, like, blush awkwardly in front of him a lot. <laughs> like, Arthur wouldn't realize, you know, that cracks me up to no extent that he goes but to it's Arthur. It's just so hairy. <laughs> it's just adorable. It just makes me laugh hysterically. Well, the thing I love is Harry still isn't sure that's what they planned. Like, he's afraid she's going to want to vacuum or, like, watch all the Lords of the Rings movies or something. Well, he's well, like, I, mean, I the last shower. time get the toothbrush thing and then still nothing. you got to understand where Harry's coming from. <laughs> well, I'm talking about a great... We're talking about a great one-two punch at the beginning of that scene. It says he had shot.
apartments with like the entire immediate family yeah, <laughs> dropping it's, in. It's, like, get a room. Just not like, conducive for that. Literally, yeah. <laughs> it's like. But I, I, I have to say, doing it out by the lake. Now, here's the thing. Reading it the first time, maybe I missed something the second time. Was there ever like some type of enclosed tent? That no, one no of them they walked out into the woods. I thought. No, there was a blanket. Huh? They're, yeah, they just have a blanket. Okay. Yeah, she she conjures up a blanket basically because they and the, and the thing is I don't know that either one of them really planned. Okay, well this is where it will be. No, uh, I thought they just one of them conjure to... the tent or like a concealment charm or something. I'm like, huh? They're in the middle of the woods. Okay. Can we talk about this sex scene? It is so no, funny. No, Jen, we're skipping it. Oh. <laughs> we're just gonna go to the no. end. Oh. No. I think what well, starts off with like Jenny like talking about. Oh, I like your eyes, and I like your glasses, and blah blah blah, and you know, like they're talk. They just keep talking. You know what they all they want to talk about, but neither of them are going to talk about it. And finally, Jenny gets Jenny actually gets really embarrassed talking, you know, going on about Harry, and and he's like, "No, I want to hear it. I want to hear it." And I was just like, "Why does he want to hear this? He never wants to hear stuff about himself." And I love that she goes. Your glasses are sexy. <laughs> yeah. And he's floored. And I, I think I wrote, he's floored. I'm floored. We're all floored. <laughs> actually finally been said, I'm floored. And I love his reply. So are you, your hair, you're, you're everything. Yeah. You're sexy too. <laughs> and, yeah. and then they go, is this happening? And he's like, yes. And I'm like, I yes. don't think he said it like that. <laughs> oh, yes, he did. He gasps it I out. Did. No, that's the thing. I think all of his concentration is elsewhere at the moment. He's like, yes. Like, I pictured it like that. Oh, like, no, 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 no. That, like, completely ruined my mental manly image. Would you picture beating his chest as he said it's it? We- no. It's yeah, he's like Potter. he's ravaging her. Not no, he's, he's not. not he's not ravaging. Well, no, no, he's no. a virgin. How many virgins can successfully ravage anybody? He's Harry Potter. Come on. <laughs> exactly. Just because he can defeat a dark lord doesn't he is mean good he's good at sex. sex. It bounces oh. off Harry and is reflected back at Ginny. No, sorry. He no. is good at sex. Like Draco is sexy in leather. It's just right, a whatever. fact. <laughs> no, it's not a fact. <laughs> guys, guys, don't kill this for Jen. Don't kill this through Jen. No, the whole point of the thing. Not famous whippy little. Yes. Okay. (laughs) I'm gonna do something here, which I don't. Okay, let me ask you this: Has okay, you've all read? um, Is it the book of Morgan Le Fay, Lavender Brown? Yeah, Lavender Brown. Okay, does everyone remember the scene at the end in the Room of Requirement? If you have, if if you're listening to this and you don't know what I'm talking about, go read Book of Morgan Le Fay. There is. Um, a scene at the end, which is very similar to the scene we're reading now, in which case I believe the chapter ends with the following phrase, 30 seconds, oh boy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, Jen, do you have it in front of you? Do you have the last lines of the chat, of this scene? Just like the last paragraph of the scene? Of of this Uh, scene from ATE? Yeah. From after the end? I have it right here. Read the last chapter. Yeah. Like the last, last. Okay. Yeah. It says, Ginny said nothing. Instead, she slowly reached up her hand, hesitated for a moment, then did something he couldn't have anticipated. She twined her fingers into his hair, pulled his forehead to pulled his forehead to her mouth, and gently, gently kissed his scar. "You are the only man," she whispered, "that I am ever, ever going to love." It wasn't long before the world as Harry knew it ceased to exist. Fifteen point five seconds later. 
guys are you're just you're just terrible. I, I'm, no, Jen, Jen I'm with you. Is there another? Long Come on, be romantic. Man. That was wonderful. <laughs> that wasn't the line I was talking about, though. Sorry. So you're the only man that I'm ever ever going to love. It is the. No. Right. That is so Harlequin romance novel. I'm not. Oh, know. I, I know what <laughs> I know what line you're talking about. I know what line you're talking about. Yeah. Um, okay. For a long time, there was no talking between them, and then there was nothing between them at all. And Harry paused, unable to believe that she could really look at him, and look at all of him, and still agree to take him as he was, pale and skinny and flawed, and be with him like this. Is that what you're talking about? That was the one. Yeah, that does not sound like a ravish to me. That's like you're looking at me naked and I'm like want to go hide behind that tree over there because I'm not the guy that you. God, you're making it sound like Conan O'Brien is having sex. No, No. he's a skinny, (laughs) awkward kid who we think has ED. Like he's a he's. No, no, no! We don't think that. You think that? (laughs) That's true. That's fair. That's fair. Are ruining this beautiful. I'm not. No. Here's the. This is the scene. This is the scene. Honest to God, the scene is is that these are two people who you know everyone always thought Ginny was you know just the 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 kid who had the crush on the famous guy. You know Harry is really you know the guy who sees himself as goofy and awkward. You know and who doesn't know how to talk to people. And you know he asks Cho Chang out and says, "Won't go ball me." Like. He, he he's he's a very awkward kid who's thrust into this you know extraordinary you know task, but he's still an awkward kid, and you know he's like I can't believe she's looking at all of me. You know he's naked in front of her for the first time. You know I can't believe she's looking at me and still agreeing that she feels everything that she felt about me before, because before she could have you know been clinging to that image of Harry Potter, the you know the Slayer of the Dark Lord, and now. I'm, this is all I am. She's seen everything, and she still loves me. I can't believe it. And but I love that about him. It makes him so real. That right. That yeah. Like no, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I, it doesn't I, make him wimpy. Oh, I don't think it makes him wimpy at all. No, I think, not wimpy. Oh, I don't think it makes him wimpy at all. I think it makes him. It makes him a very human. Yeah, it's very real. Yeah, I mean, it's not like beating chest. I am, you know, Harry. I shall claim you as nice. <laughs> I didn't mean it like that, but I did. I did see his his gasp as a. A very passionate, passionate. kiss. That yeah, yeah passionate. Yeah. Not not. Well, a- oh, I, I interpreted it as almost nervousness. Well, he, but I mean, it says right before that. That's I mean, it, that line where uh, right before they they begin kissing, it says he dove, and so I mean, he dove. Yeah, he, he is. It, it does start very passionately, and then I think maybe they both slow down a little bit and back off uh, just a little bit, and then. Um, well, I think you. You it, there has to be a point where you realize kind of what you're doing. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure it didn't escape. You know. I'm, not, I'm sure he figured that when he was. <laughs> <laughs> this is new. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I do. Yeah. Uh, They're always gonna walk uh, through the woods now and blush for the rest of their lives. <laughs> <laughs> Remember? Oh, the- I loved. I really liked the sex scene. How it wasn't graphic. No, are you oh, serious? Yeah, you liked I, no, the I fact to- it wasn't graphic. I know. I, I do you believe it? Too. I, I, I really like that too because I was I was worried. You know, we we mentioned the the phrase Harlequin romance novel earlier, and and just you know if 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 this had turned into something like that, I mean, really, really turned into something like that, where they had to come up with clever euphemisms for all the various parts and and all these things, and it, I I just wouldn't have. I would. I've read have, so many. I've got some good ones. I'm sure you do. I'm sure I you do. Throbbing member. Yeah. <laughs> Ten things I hate about you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and if this had turned into that, yeah, I would. I, I think it would have cheapened it. It would have cheapened it quite a bit. It first, well, first of all, uh, it would have allowed us, uh, uh, 
you know, it wouldn't, how do you say this? It wouldn't have given the characters the privacy that they deserved at that yeah. moment. You know, well, we were there I, yeah. right up until that, you know, right up until that moment. And then it was like, okay, we're, we're drawing the curtains now. You, you, you guys, uh, the characters are on their own. And right. yeah, it would have, there's no way that you can describe something like that in detail without, especially when, you know, with everything that's led up to it, with 43 chapters of, of leading up to this. And and do it any type of justice. Even even I don't even think A and Z could have pulled that off. So I, I like what they did. They yeah, just it's said, perfect the way right. it is. And, and someone nailed it last week. I think it was you, Phil. You know, you never hear Harry say "I love you, Ginny." It's a private thing between the characters. She says it to him, and right. you don't hear him say it. But, but you know, he says it. We just don't hear it. And yeah, this is a private moment. That's actually why I was you know remembering this incorrectly. I thought there was some type of tent or something around them, like we as the audience couldn't see in. But. Um, yeah, I, I think that line that you just read there a couple minutes ago was perfect. You know, just that this she can finally see everything, can see through the blinders, can see through everything that he's put up. She sees him, you know, physically. She sees him, you know, in his mind and feels everything he feels, and she still loves him. He can't believe it. I just thought that was just a really mm-hmm. – I just think that was a great way to end the chapter. I like that they didn't, you know, profess their I love you during the sex because I don't think that's real. I don't. <laughs> I've never you know heard of that I mean? before. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat things, and I just think that that is a little. When 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 I read scenes like that, and everybody, you know, they just gasp, "I love you" in the midst of passion. Like, it just makes me laugh because it's completely not true. I love that we're seeing the scene from Harry's what he's thinking, what he's actually thinking about. He's thinking about his bony body and his pale and skin. And he's amazed that she still seems like she wants him. Like to me, that's reality of what sex for the first time is like. I mean, it's similar to being kissed for the first time. You don't actually think, Oh, passion. You think, wow, their mouth is hot. Or do you know what I mean? Yeah. You, you think, you know, yeah. as long as I don't start a forest fire success, you know, you're like, you know, yeah. the bar is pretty low, but Yeah. Right. So anyway, I liked that it was written very realistically. You're like, people don't say, you know, I love you during sex. I don't know people who do that. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not that they don't. I don't know what to say at that point. <laughs> like, I could go into too over, much information or, or yeah, we can just let's get, just, skip over. Let's just okay. close it there. No, no, no. I meant we skipped over where Harry acknowledged before. Where he, he didn't actually, we didn't hear him say I love you, but he did admit to her that that was the first time he had ever said that. Right, but yeah. we don't hear the words because that's like right. a pri- Right, the words were the private moment. Yeah, they tell us that they were said, but we don't get to hear them because we're not Ginny. That's private between these two right. characters. I just thought that was great. It's kind of like the the characters looking at the audience saying, hey, you can't hear this, go away, and they should like slam the door <laughs> in our face. I kind of I kind of like that, though, because um, in, as characters, they do become so real in your mind. Um, you do kind of treat them like real people. Yeah. You know, there have been scenes that I have hesitated to write because, yeah, it happens and it influences things. But you know, why why do you need to have a graphic description of it? You know, you don't. You absolutely do not. So I think that I mean, and that can be anything from like sex to being tortured to I mean, it, it runs the whole gamut of things. There are certain things in people's lives that are intensely private that you don't really share with anybody else. Like, you know, you can have that one girlfriend that you talk, you know, about sex with, but you're not gonna give her well, 
I might not give her, like, the rundown of, of everything that happened, and, you know, you know, you just, normal people don't, well, not people, that's a person, but, like, people don't share intensely private moments of their lives with other people, mm-hmm. in general. It, especially not people that are of the class level that these people are, you know, they're, right, they're, right. All of these people are very classy individuals, and right. uh, so it's hard to put into words. Yeah. Well, and it, it, it's not always it's not always about sex, and it's not always about about things that are that are horrific memories. It's just there are just little moments, they're just little things that we all have that are very very private. They're just between us and one other person, and they always will be. And I mean, like I've I've been married to my wife for almost ten years, and I I can't. I couldn't list in my brain all of the things that are just these little moments, just these little little things that are just for the two of us and not for anybody else. Yeah. And that's what this is about. I mean, this is just one of those moments. It's, it's just for the two of them. It's not even for the readers. And I and that's what I I loved about it so much. I yeah. I just I can't begin to say how much that makes me respect them as authors and you know, yeah. as people in general, that they didn't choose to go be. Fandom choosing route, they kind of, pleasing route, they kind of went. They try, they chose the route that was best for the story, and I think that's yeah. uh, that. That says something about integrity, which is nice. Integrity of the fandom. Who knew that? There you go. This scene starts so hysterically with Ron just in <laughs> agony that nobody is paying the canons their due respect, and he can't even eat for the first time. Ron can't eat. I love him looking at Molly. I hate pie. Pumpkin pie. It's pumpkin pie. <laughs> Not just yours, and everyone's, but especially yours. <laughs> but I'll eat chocolate when I get back. After yeah. they win. I just thought that was hilarious. I, yeah. I, like, it's like he's breaking the news to her that one of her sons died or something. Like, that's how the <laughs> gravity of the situation. I... <laughs> I was like, that is just... Ridiculous. Bad example. The woman's lost like almost two sons. <laughs> oh, that's right. Dang it. I'm sorry. I keep forgetting. Uh, it's all right. I'm trying to remember if this is the last... If this Because this scene with with uh, Ron, in, you know, right before they leave for the game, is very, very short. Uh, it's it it's one of the shorter uh, uh, perspective scenes that's in the book. I mean, it's only about a page long. And I'm trying to, to, to remember, is this the last Ron's perspective scene in the in the story? I think it is. I think it's his curtain call uh, from his perspective. And I think that's why they put it in there. One of the things that you notice about chapter 43 is that it gives, it, like I call it, the curtain call. It gives each of the characters kind of their moment to to wrap things up. If it's if it's appropriate to the story to have a bit of it told from their perspective, then that's great. And, and this, this chapter changes perspective probably more time more times than any other chapter in the book because it gives each character their their time to to just sort of wrap things up and say goodbye to the reader. Right. Yeah, they. I will say that they they end they end a fic about as as well as anybody in the fandom does. Yeah, this you know? whole Quidditch scene was just so much fun. It, really oh, it was, was great. A nice it was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the like, way they're, they're all there. Ron gets eyed at this game. It's an <laughs> <Yeah>. honor. <laughs> it's an <laughs> honor here. <laughs> Well, so you were saying, Melinda, too, they could have ended the scene in Azkaban fighting off Dementors, but instead they ended at the Quidditch match, because this entire fic has been about Quidditch and it, on one level or another. It's just such a more, I mean, it was, you know, you're thrilled to see Azkaban come down, but this is just such a feel-good. It leaves you leaving the fic so happy. Well, yeah. it's, it's, think back, it seems like a different story that, you know, Harry was trying out for the canons. And one thing that this 
I was thinking about this the other day. I was probably driving by the gas station, not crashing into it, but whatever. You know, <laughs> one thing that this fic does is it makes me really feel like a lot of time has passed. You know, I was thinking about the movie, The Prisoner of Azkaban. You granted it's a two-hour movie, but I love the part where Remus says to Harry, you know, I've, you've learned so much from me this year. I'm like, you just got here. The year's over. <laughs> it just, it flies by so much. And it, like, it seems like a lifetime ago that Harry was, or like when we started the podcast, it seems like a lifetime ago that, you know, that Harry was trying out for the cannons or Ginny, you know, was discovering there was something wrong with her. Yeah, it just, it just seems like so much time has passed with these characters and it just seems like it's been a lifetime ago since any, since, you know, we met them and, and we realized all the uh-huh. problems and they've come full circle and now they're just back together in front of a Quidditch game and you can really reflect reflect on like how Harry began this fic and how he ends it and how Hermione began the fic and how she ended it. You know, it seems like a lifetime has passed and we've been there the whole time so it feels like such a real transition and I, I just thought that was very important to show. Yeah. And Arthur was but, re-elected. I just want to point that out. Arthur. Yeah, he oh, was. Yeah, they, they say that very subtly but it does happen. Yeah. And I like that um, it wouldn't have mattered if it didn't. He wouldn't have cared if he didn't and I think we would have been fine with you know Minister Rose K. Brown but yeah. Oh, yeah, and he would have been fine with it too. Yeah. So he actually. No, I'm sorry. It's not. I, it's not like one of the fix where you know you have Arthur running against like you know the Hitlerian guy who wants you know kill all the Muggleborns and you know it's yeah. you know it's important for him to win. You know, if he wins, that's good. If, if he doesn't win, that's okay too. Because we got good right. people up here. Yeah. I loved exactly. Mrs. Gladrag's clothes. <laughs> <laughs> Was that not little, the best uh, dress ever? Yeah. The trophy one, and, uh, he, <laughs> and he offered the discount to Ron and uh, Harry for if they wanted to get uh, dresses for uh, Ginny and Hermione, and they both kind of went, "Okay, thanks. All right, we'll keep it in mind. We'll call you. We'll call you." Cracking up at the same time. I love that. Mm-hmm. And um, just some scenes I just want to throw out there that really touched me in this. You know, Harry realizing that his best friends are getting married. You know, and. Harry realizing that he's no longer the most famous guy in the room. And Mrs. Weasley, you know, cracked, you know, the whole thing with Mrs. Weasley and her sons, you know, drunk off their butts, painting themselves and <laughs> having to knock them down a size. Hermione having to hang on to Ron to keep him from falling out of the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> and Molly, I love that that was in Molly's point of view. I like oh, yeah, that Molly. So we haven't had Molly's point of view in a long time. So obvious that who the Quidditch fans are. And it's so obvious. Yeah. And yeah. I feel so bad for the knot because I would probably be one of the ones that were like, oh my gosh, I'm bored. This game is seven hours long. <laughs> Hermione's like, if it's five days, I'm leaving. <laughs> yeah, if it was more than one, bye. And you have Arthur in his chair, too, watching his sons go at it. And he's like, and I just love the thing, too. Molly's screaming at the kids, and Arthur just kind of sinks down in this chair. And he's like, I just want to watch the game. I'm not really here to be. Offering people jobs and like in between, like commenting on the game. He's like, Yeah, Remus. Oh, nice catch. Uh, yeah, I know you're a werewolf, and I want to. Oh, that was great. Did you see that? Yeah, do you want this job? Yeah, okay, get back to me later. Oh, did you see that? Like, I'm like, What on? And you can tell, like, all the tabloids are probably like, you know, Weasley stacks ministry positions. His wife is his, is his deputy minister. All seven know. of his children, yeah. Yeah, it's like, no I one, re- if, you're a, if you're a non-Weasley, you can't work, because Arthur gave all the jobs to his family. But mm-hmm. I really liked the the Harry kissing Jenny moment. Like, you can tell that they've had sex, because they're so comfortable with each other. And I love that he's wearing a cap. And, like, he keeps pulling it down, and, like, she just lifts it and kisses him, and he's fine with making out with her in public now. <laughs> I love it. 
In front oh of his parents. In front of her well, parents. I'm sorry. And he's so sexy. He's like, maybe we can go under the stands. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> whoa. And when he finally spray paints the yes, and then it, he comes back after being with her, and it's all smeared all over him. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> and she's covered in paint too. And they're just like, la la la. Subtle they are not. When Harry finds out that he's going to be like audited by the IRS, he's like, ah, it's a beautiful day. It's a beautiful day. <laughs> Who cares? No, I was just going to say, I like when when, uh, when uh, Harry does find out that they're going to get married and uh, Ron says that he'll be the best man. And uh, they hug. And I love the description. It says, um, uh, Ron and Harry were hugging like brothers. When they came apart, there was a funny noise like something unsticking. And not only did Harry not bear an S on his chest, but Ron's letter looked nothing like an N. So you can just picture that, like that thick, rubbery paint, you know, doing that like sound as they tear apart. And I love that description. I thought that was fantastic. And then Ginny saying that they'll be sisters. I'm sorry. That is such a great. Oh, well, I like that they have to do the sobering charm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They have to sober him up because he doesn't, he can't comprehend it. I, I thought he was mad at first. Did y'all too? Like I thought he was really angry, and then he's just like in awe. Hey, I love that you're going to get married to each other. <laughs> <laughs> that was like a scene from a TV show I watched once, where one of the characters had to um, tell a groom. It's like he he got divorced from his um, obviously from his ex wife, and they started seeing each other again. At one point. You know, they were getting back together, and one of the guys said, you really need to get that woman pregnant. And he's like, I did. And they all turn around, they're like, why? Well, and he's like, you know, she, she's pregnant. And they're all, like, all of his friends are standing there with their mouths open. And he's like, you know, with twins. And then, oh my like, they, they don't say anything. So he holds up, like, two fingers and turns them around, like, two. And one guy's like, they're they're yours? He's like, yeah. Both of them? <laughs> it just reminded me of that. You're really married? Yeah. To each other? Yeah. To each other? <laughs> I really like the scene with Molly fixing Harry's hair. That yeah. was great. Isn't that, that great? I really the whole perspective scene is, is fantastic. I got so moved by that. It's the scene where yeah, Molly's playing with Harry's hair, and he turns around and smiles and says, yeah, it won't go down. And she realizes, you know what? He's one of my kids. And yeah. the scene where... Um, you know, she's screaming at all of the boys, you know, for, for ruining their father's political career. And they're all, like, <laughs> kicking their shoes, like, sorry, Mom, sorry, Mom. Even Ron's offering to leave the Quidditch, you know, final. And she's like, and I don't, and usually I spare Harry, but he was as much at fault. And you know what? He, he's not a guest anymore. And it's the ultimate compliment, but also the poor kid's getting screamed at. And Melinda, <laughs> yeah. it, really, it reminds me of one of my favorite lines from, um, from Power of Motion. You know, the, the line where you say, you know, like, it's Harry and Molly, you're hugging, and, you know, if Lily Potter herself, you know, would have approved Molly, you know, as a surrogate. It just reminded me of that. It's like, you know, the scene, you know, she's... Whatever, I think. Yeah, it's Molly's there, and she's going to do what no one else can do, and I, my favorite part of the scene, though, is when she turns around, she says, the only one who wouldn't have done that would have been Percy. No one, you know, the only one who wouldn't have dressed up, you know, in, in the paint and would have been Percy. And she stops and she thinks and she, you know, channels all of her love and like with all of her energy sends, you know, her love to Percy wherever he is because she still loves him just as much as the rest. And I just thought that was a very powerful moment. I just thought that was great. Mm -hmm. I love the scene where Rose shows up and she's so upset and everybody's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And like Mick and Charlie come out naked, half naked. <laughs> I love that part. <laughs> and she's like, my career is finished. <laughs> anyway, she overhears Arthur saying she, I couldn't do it without her and she'll make a very capable minister someday. And she feels, you know, just, 
because you really don't get a sense of you know her and Arthur you know beyond what you see of them, and she really respects him, and, and she, she really I think looks up to him. And I think it would have been interesting. I, I know we get an outtake from Rose's perspective, but we don't get a chapter from her perspective, and it'd be interesting to see what she thought of everyone. I love the fact that she overhears Arthur, and she looks very pleased with herself that Arthur approves. Yeah, and she, then the cannons win. The cannons oh. won. I forgot. <laughs> yes, they did. They did it. Which was, uh, you know, I think we all saw that coming, but it still was very uh, satisfying. I think when the when the moment finally came, the first time in like uh, hundreds of years. And, and they can- okay. Do you know anything about Kansas State Wildcat football? Because okay, I'm gonna go with this, no. I, f- I feel with I feel for Ron because I I guess maybe I should explain myself. I'm in the marching band for Kansas State University, and I've been a fan since I was like three feet tall, which was not that long ago because I'm only five foot, but um, they they went like 16 years without winning very many games and then we got a really good coach and we turned everything around and I remember this feeling of like being amazed and excited and vindicated and oh, I was reliving the glory days of the Wildcats through Ron, so... I yeah, I was about to say, Melinda and I are from Boston. We hear you. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> the curse. Melinda and I, yeah. Melinda and I are from Boston. <laughs> no, I really, I, I loved, you know, obviously the, the, the cannons winning, of course, was just fantastic. But the, the, the once again, last line, so you got to give them credit. Uh, it says, anything was possible, Harry thought, pulling the last cracker and watching it explode triumphantly in the sky. Anything at all, and and that was great. And and honestly, we weren't we weren't one hundred percent sure. I don't think. And chief, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think they previously had said there would be an epilogue, did they? Or mm, I don't. They did well, maybe the they did. Maybe they did. they did in the author's notes. They did in the author's notes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but yeah that's true. So I guess we knew that there was going to be a little bit more. But once again, right there, you that could have been that very easily could have been the end uh, of, of the that entire last story. sentence. I love yeah, the yeah. last sentence. And finally, Harry can see tomorrow or could see tomorrow or, you know, whatever. Anything was possible. Anything was possible. Yeah. Yeah, Drake I love it. may be, you know, across the pitch and they may have to deal with him again in the future and they likely will. But tomorrow's a new day and they will fight and anything is possible. And they made it through the year. And I'd say, you know, in this universe, the last year has probably been the hardest Harry's ever had to face. You know, give me Voldemort in a graveyard, that's fine, but make me have to deal with Hagrid's death or make me have to, you know, deal with, you know, the first time I have sex or, you know, all of these other issues, you know, and and it's a lot harder for him. So I just thought that was a really positive message. And yeah, I I think you're right. I think they gave each character a chance to really, you know, shine here. I think, you know, Hermione got to, you know, find... You know, potential career path. I think that, you know, Arthur got to show that he's a capable minister. Everything kind of got touched on. This really reminds me of, like, the last, you know, episode of a TV show where they're trying to, like, yeah. pay off all the different relationships. And I just think, exactly. You know, I just really liked it. But I'll, hey, let's just go, you know, I know we have to get to the, to the epilogue, but just real fast. Uh, what's everyone's, in one sentence, favorite part of the chapter? Mine is Molly sending her love to Percy. Jen, what about you? My favorite scene of this of this chapter? Yeah, just the part, yeah, just at the Quidditch match, the, your favorite moment. At the Quidditch match. Um, gosh, get, come back to me. She? Oh, God, don't spring that on me. Go, well, come back to me. Melinda? Mine is um, when Harry sees the ring on Hermione's finger, and he's just kind of bewildered and, and shocked and a little hurt that they didn't tell him. I like that scene. 
Phil? Last line. Jen, how you doing? I like where they're talking about, um, I really like where Remus gets a job. I think. Like, I, I just really, really like Arthur offering. I like them all. No, no. My favorite part is them deciding to all return back to Hogwarts. Oh, thank you. Dang, that's my favorite. Dang it, Jen. I'm sorry. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love how they signed Hermione up for divination. I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, Jen always taught me to ask just the difficult questions. You know, what do you say when, you know, you send Voldemort to the end of the world? What about the people there? My question, what about the teachers they're going to have to fire to make room for all these guys? <laughs> that was my they're all so old, aren't they? They're getting up there. McGonagall's halfway through her life. She's only 90. Yeah. Well, she'll be yeah. headmistress. Yeah, she's headmistress. She can't teach anymore. But she's still yeah. transfigurations, is what they imply. Did you catch that? Well, that's yeah. just because yeah. they're lacking people. True. I just like yeah. that they, they give the people's jobs. Like, I would never have put Ron as Quidditch coach or, you know, Harry. Or, I don't remember who was doing what at the moment, but I remember Quidditch being coach. surprised. No, Ron is that was right? going to do defense. Well, I thought this was kind of Oh, crack. right. Ron was defense. And I, I thought this was going to be somewhat of a crack. I thought this was an odd uh, statement when he says, you know, Ron, you could be, you know, the um, you know defense against the dark arts. You can show everyone how to throw off Imperius. Because that was the thing that, like, really traumatized him. Because he almost killed Hermione. So I'm like, oh, Harry doesn't know that. Yeah. I, I didn't think that Ron reacted unfavorably to the suggestion. So, um, yeah. Well, it yeah. sets the and, and the other thing that's nice about that bit is that you really you don't know for sure whether they're being serious or not. I mean, obviously they're saying it in a lighthearted way and they're joking about it. Oh, and but but it's it's nice to kind of think, well, you know, maybe yeah, maybe no. maybe this is what's going to happen. Yeah, and Phil and I asked Jenya where do you see the characters in twenty years, and she gave an answer which will be in the you know, upcoming episode. But you know, I like the fact that they say here, you know, we're all going to go back to Hogwarts someday after we do some other things. Yeah. One thing I thought was odd, did anyone notice that McGonagall offered Remus a job and then filled it with someone else? <laughs> well, I, think, I think it was yeah. kind of implied that maybe he didn't take it. I don't know. Uh, I'm not yeah. sure if they I ever didn't understand up why. Well, I, I kind of do, but I, I thought that Remus should go back to Hogwarts. But well, I like that he's being, he gets to be with Sirius now, and they're going to be together all the time. Well, now. If Ron's going to be the Attorney General, Sirius can run the education. He's the department. deputy. <laughs> I keep imagining Ron with this big deputy badge, like, <laughs> and like, I don't know, wranglers and a gunslinger, and I just think it's funny. <laughs> All right, epilogue in 13 minutes. We can do it. Oh my god. We finally get Potter and Black going to Godric's Hollow. Yeah, thank God, because I'll tell you, I was terrified. I, I seriously remembered when, when this was mentioned earlier in the story. And then it didn't come, and then it didn't come, and then it didn't come. I remember thinking, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna have to write this. And I'm not a very good writer, but if this doesn't come, I'm going to have to write this. And so I was so, so, so happy when the epilogue came out, and that was, in fact, what it was basically all about. Yeah. I So perfect in the circle of the thick. You know oh, yeah. what I'm saying? It brings it like, all completely full circle. And Harry right. even becomes, you know, inquisitive about his family's past. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought, I have to say that I thought that the very beginning of this prologue was 
not only a bit difficult to immediately get into, but I didn't necessarily like the plot line of him finding a box full of his heritage. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I, I it, love it the end of this chapter. Like, right. Like, where, where you know, they're in the basement and they're all together and they hug. And I'm like, why didn't they wait till they saw, like, light again? Um, But I don't know. Like, there was just something about him being... Uh, like a descendant from Gryffindor and yeah, that, the whole Harry catching the snitch that turned into the marriage certificates. I was like, I don't know. I, I don't want to say that I disliked it, but to me, they could have ended the story at the game and had everybody hug then. And I thought that the scene was almost a little bit pointless. I I don't know. I'll say this. I, I think that, you know, the part I, I had, you know, planned to say tonight, I think the part with, with Godric Gryffindor being, you know, Harry's you know ancestor is something that was unnecessary, but I like the fact that they use it in the story, but don't make it part of the story. He didn't win because yes. he's the heir of Gryffindor. He won, you know, because he's Harry Potter. And, oh, look, he happens to be related to Gryffindor. Isn't that a nice And he owns thing? a town. Yeah, I'm he, like... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Harry owns Northern Wales, but, you know, it's like... <laughs> Whatever, but you know. And why has nobody ever mentioned this before? Like Harry, Sirius could never just say, "Yeah, oh yeah, you 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 own a, a town and a castle, you and you're loaded." And you know, I didn't actually think about your house actually not being there, but I keep saying, "Let's go see the house that's not there." Oh, I, I will foot say, in mouth. "Oh crap!" <laughs> I will say that I love the scene where he goes back to get Remus, and the first thing Remus says is like, "Oh, you know, the house isn't there." <laughs> Like, I would have loved it. I would have loved if Harry was like, "Yeah, I could have used you." <laughs> well, he said exactly. that actually. He said to himself, "Well, yeah, uh, Sirius is right. Remus was better at this kind of thing." <laughs> but yeah. the garden lady, like, I thought it was so tacky of her to like not want him to build because her garden was there, and I was like, "She's nine. That is She's so self, like, so stupid." I didn't understand. Well, okay, I shouldn't say that. Here I am being so harsh about the story that I love. But I just liked the last chapter ending so much better, I think. And that although I love this chapter, I love the very end. You know, the real well, I did, like, he, come, him coming home when he found that cellar that was empty and thinking there was nothing yeah. there. But, but then turning around and having all his family really was there. I, I kind of liked that ending. I love that well, I, ending. The ending is, is yeah, it makes, it makes it just, just perfect because, and I'm sure you guys will notice this, it's not just the, the fact that it brings everything kind of full circle, but the, the, the language is literally the same exact yes. phrases from the prologue. Exactly. It's the exact same language from the prologue. When, when someone kicked the bluebell flame out, but nobody moved to write it, it's exactly the same. And you know what and I love about just, you, and we've been saying how much these characters are like real people. I love the fact that Harry went back to Lupin Lodge, and where's Ginny? Oh, she's upstairs working on stuff for the long bottoms. And you get the sense that after that hug, they're going to go back, and she's going to keep working on the long bottoms, and life will go sure. on. It's not like, you know, as soon as the story's over, you know, in a movie, you know, all the characters, you know, their lives, like, end right there, and that's all they had to do was, you know, for these two hours. Yeah. You know, Ginny will go, you know, her, Ron and Hermione will go off and get married, Jenny will go home and work, you know, on. I would have liked to see more of Neville, though, I think. Yeah, you know what it is? There's, and I was saying this, um, I was reviewing the last episode of the Gilmore Girls on the forum, believe it or not. And, you know, I was saying, you know, there's a difference between, 
you know, leaving them wanting more and leaving them feeling like they were denied something. Like a plot line was so badly rushed that, you know, you feel like it was Spider a Spider-Man 3? Yeah. You feel yeah. like it's a cop-out. I felt like they left me wanting more. They gave me enough. They gave me more than enough. But I really want to know, you know. I would love to just, you know, have the story go on forever. Everything that, you know, A&Z will kill me for saying this. But, you know, I want to know, like, what happens to Ginny? What happens to Harry? And what, but that's good. I should feel that. You have to leave yes. them wanting more. Or else if you keep it going until you, every little detail is all dried up, then people are going to get bored with the story and kind of like... Oh yeah, here's another one. It, it, you lose interest. It's better to keep them wanting more. Yeah, and I know. Yeah, I was just gonna say, I don't even think of it as leaving me wanting more so much as it was leaving me with the feeling that the, this story would go on. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. I, I don't necessarily want more, but I, I want to know that the story is going to go on. That their They're lives be are okay. going to go on. Yeah, and yeah, and that yeah. to me is, is is just enough. That's exactly what it, what it needed to be. And it feels you know real. You know what it is? It's yeah. that life doesn't tie things in pretty little bows. Exactly. 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 You know? But it kind of does in the story. I mean, the whole purpose well, of does. the story was trying to get to a point where everybody was going to be okay and have that outlook on life. And at the beginning of the story, like from the prologue where Harry's sitting on the rock and life has no meaning and nothing makes sense and and he doesn't know how he's even going to breathe, much less go on. And to see how far he's come, they've all come. It's it's absolutely amazing to me. Yeah, and 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 it gives you that moment of of thinking. Okay, now that we've come a year, now that these characters have grown and changed, and and they've gotten the last things that they needed to get done, and they really are truly ready to start their lives. Off they go, and that's it. They, this, you know, it's just it's just right. I think it's just right. Yeah, and like I like Melinda, I know you've done that too. You've You've done like the final moments, and then you've gone ahead, you know, into the future. And gee, I haven't had the opportunity to read your stuff yet, so I'm not sure if that's, uh, I look forward to. It. I'm not sure if that's something you do as well. You know, y- you get the sense that everything will be okay, and then you give glimpses of what's going to happen with everybody and where they all end up. But you don't show every step along the way. You know, you leave that kind of open ended how they got from A to B, but you tell them, you know, in broad strokes, you know, everything will be okay. And I think Arabella and Jenya kind of did that within the dialogue. You know that Harry, Ron, and Hermione will end up, you know, at Hogwarts someday. And, you know, they'll have, you know, lots of kids and, and everything will be all right and there'll be challenges and they'll face them like they always have. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have a lot to say. I'm kind of apathetic about this. Okay. I like the... You don't have a lot to say. We've been going for three hours. <laughs> I know. We've, has it only been three, six, seven, eight, nine? Like no, four and a half. Four and a half. I think okay. that... <laughs> you know... <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. I'm really I'm I'm with Ryan. They could have ended it last like that was enough of a pretty little bow for me. I didn't necessarily need this. Although it, it was nice and it was a good thing to have the night of the book release and I have a lot of fond memories of after the end, but I I just need, I think that, you know, Oh, well, it's their story. Whatever yeah. they want to do. <laughs> I think it would have been better if Sirius was the one to say stuff rather than find it in this random box they found in Gringotts, but whatever. That's my only complaint. So, yeah, well, I mean, if they'd have mentioned the box earlier on, yeah. or, I don't, like, if, if you found it. There, if you found it and not and didn't want to look at it yet. Not feel comfortable looking at it or just kind of yes. yeah. or something. Kind of stuck in there, like, oh, here's a new plot. Well, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and sum up my my... The reason that I like this this entire story from from top to bottom and why it's become something that I that I love so much, and I, I can really honestly sum it up in one word, and that word is potential. 
uh, I really, really loved reading this story because it showed me the amazing potential that all these characters have beyond what is in the canon books. And I love the canon books and I've been reading them religiously and I can't wait for the, for the seventh one to come out and I'll be just like the rest of, of the world reading it feverishly the night that it's released. But I loved the potential that was here. It just showed from a development, uh, character perspective and, and everything that can happen to them and how they react and how they grow and learn and love. And, and it, it gives, it gives me, I think Jen, you said it in the forum. It gives me hope. And I like that. Yeah. And that's what I like most about this story. I think that's a great yeah. place to end off our podcast tonight because I know Phil is about to catch a flight from the Philippines back to California. So, um. <laughs> you have a safe flight, Phil. Hey guys, safe I want to tell you flight. something honestly. What's that? So, thank you. I appreciate that. And I want to tell you guys really seriously, uh, it's very lonely to be, to be gone for, for a long, long time. It's, it's, it's hard. It's, it, to, to be gone from your family and your friends and, and everything. It's, it's not an easy thing. And I wanted to let you all know that you guys have made this much, much, much more enjoyable for me. It gave me something to look forward to every week. It gave me, uh, it gave me friends that I could talk to, you know, and, and I, I won't ever be able to thank you guys enough for it. I, I, I've talked to Ryan separately about this, but I'll let you all know that, I mean, I was just a guy that was listening to this podcast five weeks ago <laughs> and you guys, all of you invited me in and welcomed me and, and I can't, I honestly can't thank you enough. And it, it's, it's, it's very fitting to me that we just finished after the end on the last day that I'm going to be here. And, and it's sort of closing a chapter and, and, and I have to go back to my real life, um, which, which will be fantastic. Um, but in, in, in a small way, I'm going to be kind of sad to see this go. And, and I, I will do everything I can to, to make myself available, uh, moving forward for, for any other podcasts. And of course, I'll, I'll be all over the forums. You guys will never be able to get rid of me. But <laughs> I just, I just really, I wanted Good. to thank each and every one of you. You guys really have, oh, have, have made this, made this trip really, uh, a, an enjoyable thing for me and giving me something to, to really look forward to each week. So thank you. Thank well, you Phil, I've, you're very welcome. And I get many, um, messages over the forum and emails from people saying, please have Phil on more. We, we love Phil. So yes. there is a Phil yes. fan club. For me, so I'm that, in the Phil fan club. I too. <laughs> Melinda's like, I like Phil too. And <laughs> I, I love Phil. <laughs> Here we go. I'm the only one You've that added, said that yet. <laughs> you so much to this. You've made it enjoyable. So don't don't thank us. We have to thank you. Like we love your input. You have great thoughts, and I just love to have someone. You know, it's rare that we find very many men. I'll just tell you the truth. And I love that you're so passionate about it. You've given me a whole new perspective on the, you know, how the other sex views fan fiction. And, and I love the fact that it's not that differently. I really like it. Yeah, me too. So we definitely hope you'll, um, you know, with time delays and, you know, daylight savings and all that fun stuff, I definitely hope you'll uh, come on for some more episodes once we start the seventh Horcrux and beyond. I would love to. I would love to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm just like, well, I want Phil on. I think he'll like it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I can't. I'm very excited. I, I can't wait to start reading it. And uh, now that we've closed the book, I, I literally have closed the book on After the End here. It's, uh, it'll be it'll be nice to move on. So thanks very much. Guys. No I appreciate problem. It. So Thank great. You. So great segue. Um, we're going to be back with the interview with Arabelle and Jenya. We're going to be back with the outtakes of After the End. <laughs> with the out- <laughs> Can you tell Jen will be in it with the out- with the After the End outtakes? And then we're going to be on with Melinda Leo's uh, Fix the Seven Horcrux. So you'll definitely be hearing more of from Melinda. I'm Thanks so for- sad that it's over. 
It's not yeah. over. We have like two episodes left. We're well, good. I mean, but the, the fic itself is over. The, the fic itself is over. That is great. No, the it outtakes. was a good ride, though. Jen, have you read the outtakes? Yeah. Oh, well, but yeah, you're screwed. Okay. Um, what? What? <laughs> what? I, I just... <laughs> I um I know I can't say anything that will be on the same level as Phil, but I wanted you all to know that rarely do you find such intelligent, um, good conversation about fan fiction and what its purpose is and uh, how it's written and how it's done. And, you know, it's a very important part of my life. It's a very important part of me becoming an adult. And I want to thank every single one of you for being a fabulous friend and a great um, intellectual partner in discussing this fic that means so much to so many people. And um, as a fan fiction writer, as a beta reader, as a website administrator, I can't tell you thank you enough for what you're doing for fan fiction. In the world in so I'm just going to start bawling. <laughs> Everybody's saying thank you. And, the, and I just can't like the end. Guys, we'll be back next week. It's okay. We'll all be here. <laughs> but it's the end of the story. It's the end of the story. Arabella and Jenny, look what you did. <laughs> Alinta, I'm so, so glad you could make it. I, I, oh, I thought you. that you weren't going to, and it's always a pleasure to have you on. I, I really enjoy it when you're on. Oh, thanks. I had a ball doing it. You guys are all, as I listen to you, you all have such thoughtful comments, and I'm Sitting here thinking, it takes me much longer to come up with what I want to say, and usually by the time I figured it out, you've already moved on. <laughs> oh no! I can't wait to get to your fake next. Honestly, write it down, record it, and we'll play it at the end of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. There you go. All right. All right. Well, good night, everybody. It was a pleasure. It was great. Yes. See you all next week. Thank you. Good night. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. And we're Lucky doing uh, 41, 42, 43 in the epilogue. Yeah. Yep. Oh, excited. Jen, you have notes, right? <laughs> Let me get to that part of the forum. <laughs> I'm cheating off my notes. <laughs> Shut It's not cheating. This it's is cheating. cheating. These are cliff notes. <laughs> and she's going to get Remus's permission. She wants to go to Culperat to talk to Draco. He needs and... Ron's permission, though, right? Not Remus? Well, and she doesn't want. She doesn't care about Ron's permission. No, she. she no, she needed. Ron's I thought she needed Remus's permission because he's kind of setting her schedule and letting her do whatever. Remember, Ron's running the legal department of, of yeah, Ron's the, the attorney, United Kingdom right now. So. Ron's the attorney general. You need Ron's permission to do anything. <laughs> you need Ron's permission to do anything. <laughs> yeah, y'all are right. Okay, sorry. No, no problem. Do you want to say it again? See, I was just doing that on purpose so that she would read it and. <laughs> I'm not speaking know. to you ever again. Oh, Jade, I love you. Don't leave me. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I just read some of your reviews with all my love. I don't know if we can be friends anymore. Oh my god, do you hate them? No, I'm cheesing. Jesus. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's not nice to tease Jesus. Because, um, I guess, you know, last week we talked about sex. Amanda, shut up. <sighs> okay, sorry. No, no podcasting with family members around. It's a bad idea. Okay. Um, what? I had to go to the Philippines. You know, we just juxtapose that to... I can't even say that word. I've been trying for 17 podcasts. <laughs> juxtapose. Juxtapose. What is it? Juxtapose. 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 Ju- I'm trying to put like an E-D in there somewhere. Like juxtapose. 
Oh my god, Jack's Jack. <laughs> This is like Jack. when I tried to say sacrifice. This is, um. Juxtaposed. <laughs> Juxtaposed. I can't say the yeah. top. Okay. In juxtaposed. <laughs> Ryan, 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 I can say it. I can't say it now. Ryan, say juxtaposed. <laughs> there you go. Compare that to earlier in the scene. So oh, like a real further It's like a Porky Pig moment. Juxtaposed, juxtaposed, compare. Compare. I love that. I just can't imagine Jen you as a as a beta reader at all because I can see you saying, "Well, I didn't really like this." If that's okay with you. And and I didn't. I, <laughs> I am. I'm terrible. This scene didn't really work for me, but 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 you could still leave it in if you wanted. Would you mind? If <laughs> You're I too hate nice. This scene. Would you mind if I hate the scene? Yeah, exactly. Would you mind if I don't like this? It <laughs> do. does sound like me a bit, doesn't it? Yeah, that's not such I, a good plot, Beta. I'm just like, well, this is kind of. I just well, really like pick it. Up the phone. <laughs> oh, I love that. Well, I like you just the way you are. I like yeah. you too, Jen. Oh. You were talking about the story, though, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah she was. Uh, hi, everyone. This is Amy. I'm Zephania on the forums. Um, you know, I just spent the last couple of minutes trying to work out how I actually do say my username because I've never had the need to say it out loud before. Anyway, I just finished listening to episode 13, so I thought I'd make a voice recording to send in with some comments on what I've just listened to. The first thing I wrote down to comment on was the pronunciation of idea, basically because I say idea as well, so um, okay, I'm not entirely sure where I was going with that comment, but just that I too say idea and not idea, or however, idea. Anyway, um, the next thing was that you scared me a little when you were talking about Barty Crouch, because I misheard and thought you said junior, and then you were saying the actor could play Dumbledore. Um, and I was like, David Tennant played Dumbledore. Um, so that confused me at all. But then I realised you actually said senior and not junior. And because, um, you know, I really can't picture David Tennant as Dumbledore. For one, he's way too young. And really, there's nowhere to keep the TARDIS in Hogwarts. And if you don't watch Doctor Who, you probably won't understand what I just said. So I'll be quiet about David Tennant and Doctor Who now because this is Harry Potter um, so yeah I'll be quiet uh, the next thing I wanted to comment on was the waiting for chapters when After the End was being written because um, I was following the fic as it was being written as well and I remember having to wait for the chapters and like Phil and she said in the podcast it was horrible waiting for the following chapter um, I also remember that summer being really really hot which is you know, quite unusual for England, and um, I remember wishing I had a laptop or something so I could go and sit outside and read after the end, instead of having to sit inside and read it, because it was really, really hot, um, and we don't have air conditioning or anything like that here, because you don't usually get very hot weather. Um, and the last thing is that I just wanted to say that I love the podcast, love the forums, so keep up the good work. Uh, bye. If you've heard anything in this episode that you would like to comment on or would like to contribute to the show, you can email any of our staff at their names at potherfickweekly.com or you can email staff at potherfickweekly.com. If you would like to send in a voicemail message, you can either call 781-352-0643 and you can leave a voicemail up to two minutes in length or you can email us 
an audio file to our email address, and we can play that on the show. You can also download a program called The Gizmo Project, and you can uh, contact us that way through your computer. For more information, visit polarficweekly.com.